Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. And if no one has said it, allow me to welcome you to National Disc Jockey Day. Woohoo! Yes! And we shall be celebrating all night long. Don't ask me what wow. that means. <laughs> Actually, that was our uh, our first little celebration of National Disc Jockey Day because all disc jockeys knew how to jump in and hit the post, get in, get out, and let the guy start singing. Or as I like to say, kiss the post. Yes. Right. Well, National Disc Jockey Day, I did a little research... It's been around for a while. My favorite line in the history of National Disc Jockey Day is there was a time when a disc jockey had to be A, trained, B, had to have a vast selection of vinyl at his disposal. Hmm. Notice they did not say or hers. Right. And a place to play their music. Nowadays, and I'm reading it right from the National Disc Jockey Day page. Nowadays, Wait a what do you mean a place to play? Why wouldn't they play it at the radio because station? Because they were talking on the about clubs and weddings oh. and things like that. So they mm. say a venue. Now this is from the site. Today, anyone can become a disc jockey thanks to the plethora of powerful software that is available and digital turntables that can play music from your PC. So go ahead, kids. Anyone can be a disc jockey today. See, I think they're they're kind of mixing DJ, the way DJs are referenced today, along with what we think of getting into radio. As a profession. Yeah. Right. But, of course, people who do DJing for weddings and such, they're doing that for a profession. Yeah. Uh, Bob Fakuda, keeper of the big plug, our engineer is here in the studio with us. Have you ever thought of how many DJs you've worked with? Because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, with your history, yeah, probably. Yeah. You, you could write the book. <laughs> You're probably pushing 50. And Bob has told us some stories. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. You know, the, the man cow days by himself would be a book. <laughs> Uh, That's what aged you, right? Oh, yeah. Tell me. (laughs) Because as engineer, you're required to do some crazy stuff. Well, I went from smooth jazz to my first remote with Mancow at the Park West. Oh, my. You know, I I got there at like 1 o'clock in the morning for his show. And when I walked up, there was a, a, a Chicago 
PD paddy wagon open, and they were just taking kids yeah. and throwing them in the back. Oh. And that was even before, that was, you know, that was before the party started. Before it even started. Oh, wow. And then uh, on the stage, sometime during the show, there was they built a cage, and they had uh, strippers doing uh, mm. uh, relay races. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. The, the general manager of the station came to me and said, huh? <laughs> it's not smooth jazz, is it? And I said, no, <laughs> it's not. Well, that that's a far cry from uh, when I first got into radio and we were told, you can only play one, hear me, one, one. female vocal per hour because the audience can't take more than one. <laughs> what? And then, 11 years later, when I started as a professional disc jockey, I was told I could never play two women's voices back-to-back because the radios would turn off. If you had, for example, a Barbara Streisand backed up with Olivia Newton-John, the biggest names Mm -hmm. in music then, right? Oh, no, radios will turn off. And Karen Carpenter. Oh, a long list of things. Captain and Tennille. Yeah, 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 but you had to separate them because, you know, the audience was not very tolerant. Ron, when you first started in uh, in radio, were there any uh, hard and fast rules? No, I, I started uh, college radio, so we made up the rules each night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it depended yeah. on how we felt, so. Yeah. And that seemed to work out for us. You know, we liked it. Uh, but then when I was in uh, American Forces uh, Radio, uh, there were yeah there were there were rules i just don't don't recall them off the top of my head you just had to play from their selection of uh of uh, armed forces radio albums where there would be mm-hmm. single hits but mm-hmm. uh well, what was it anything like good morning vietnam no it was nothing like good morning vietnam <laughs> okay. except for the censorship there was censorship they you could oh. you know you had to get the newscasts approved and your copy approved and oh. if you were in your host country it was about wanting to be uh, a good member of that uh, of that community so mm-hmm. you didn't want to report anything that would be seeming uh, to uh, criticize the host country. Mm-hmm. So that was some. That was, those were some obvious no-nos, and there was a lot of that in, in Good Morning Vietnam. So now, were you wearing a news hat at the same time you were playing music? So you were a, a well-rounded disc jockey. Oh yeah, we did everything. Yeah, we yeah. we rip and read. We get it off the wire and yeah. Uh, yeah. clear the wire and, and keep it on the, you know, and keep it all organized and everything. It was a, it was the greatest job. It was the greatest job. I was just absolutely thrilled to be a disc jockey i thought i can do this i can do this mm-hmm. you know yeah. so and wonderful. then when you got out of the service did you just make the transition into radio as a profession uh in television first because i also oh. did uh, television in uh, in the armed forces as well and uh, the first job was with television but then at my first uh job outside of the uh, uh air force base i also got into radio too worked for tom brokaw's radio station in rapid city south dakota oh. hmm. you might have heard of him yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice guy there uh, just before we take a break julian um we used a phrase and you were just telling us off the air you've been in radio for two years i wonder if the phrase means anything to you rip and read Whoosh! Right over my head. Really? That's oh. that's the. Di- I, I was just rip and read. When, when Ron said that, I thought, I yeah. bet Julian has no clue what that means. Then I can still hear the sound of those machines, those teletype machines in the background. Back oh, in yeah. the stain age, uh, sto- stain age, <laughs> stone age that we're all talking about. That was back in the days when you had teletypes, and the teletypes would constantly be. 
printing out the news headlines. And if you were, as, as I did when I started in radio, doing everything, during one of the records, have to run to the newsroom, grab these headlines off the teletype, rip and em. come back, rip them, and come back and read the headlines at the top of the hour newscast. So rip and read. And yeah. big stories would happen, too. You get a ding, ding, ding. Because yeah. I actually, I remember there was a little fight in our newsroom because when the story came across the wires that President Reagan had been shot, mm-hmm. they started fighting over the piece of copies. Like, yeah, that's mine. I'm the news director. Let me have that. No, I got it first. I ripped it to read it. And I'm like, Whoa. I didn't really appreciate at that time that this was a piece of history that mm-hmm. they wanted to save. And I think Charlie Meyerson, in fact, did that. But um, I, I did get it after a while. I thought, wait a minute, this is coming across cold. This is news that, I mean, this is the real thing. Somewhere in our archives, and sadly it's probably fading away, I have the United Press International headlines from when Elvis died. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that doesn't surprise me because you have things that frighten me. <laughs> you have boxes of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I say, can we just hire a dumpster? I'm not. I'm not a hoarder. I'm an archivist. <laughs> you are an archivist. Yeah, yes. that's, a little, yes. that's a little bit of history, right? Yeah, there. it yeah, looks sure. a little like hoarding, but it's an archivist. No, I'm an archivist. God bless you for archiving all that. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, you've proven it to me time and time again. I will go on record. And say that invariably throughout history, when I have said, I wish we had, you know what box to go to. Yeah. You know what pile to. And I'm like, wow, yeah. how do you, you don't know where your socks are. How do you know where that I piece of tape is? I have my priorities. do. You archivist, you. Well, well, Steve, if she makes you throw away that uh, Elvis uh, uh, alert, could could I have it? Could you just give it to me? Don't throw it away. I'll I'll archive it. We'll we'll move it. I learned the hard way. I ain't throwing anything away because one time he went out to the garbage. Yep. It was going to be picked up the next day. I don't know how it happened, but there was an autograph book. And it was filled with cartoon sketches by some of the greatest cartoonists wow. that have ever lived. And I stood in the driveway and It was and a ring binder. I said, I didn't throw that away. You said, well, how did it get in the garbage? I just blacked out. And when I woke up, it was mm-hmm. in the garbage. That's all I could say. See, Johnny inherited her dad's tossed jean. Yeah, I know. I... I Real quick story. My dad was so bad about tossing things. Back when people smoked, you could be putting your cigarette out in the ashtray, and he'd be taking the ashtray to empty it. As you were going, oh, wait, let me put that cigarette out. And one time, I actually took my contact lenses out, and I put them on the bedside, and I was visiting their house. I didn't live there any longer. I was visiting, and I didn't have a case to put my contact lenses in, so I got a juice glass and put water in it, put my contact lenses in it. And I woke up the next day, and the glass was gone. He walked by a dark bedroom and saw a glass sitting there and threw it out with my contacts in it. He said, well, it was bothering me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I realized as I got older, I do the same thing. Yes, you inherited I that know, gene. I know, I <sighs> know. Well, welcome, folks. This should be very therapeutic tonight. <laughs> We'll take a break, and then we'll find out uh, how therapeutic it is.
Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Love, love, love that song. Reunion and Life is a Rock. You know what we should do some night? We should have a, a, a night where all of the bumps are all the songs that are mentioned in that. Do we know how many songs are mentioned? I don't know. Uh, Twang and Eddie, so anything by Dwayne Eddie. Mm-hmm. What uh, a great year that was, 1974. Yeah. But now that was a one-hit wonder for Reunion, right? That was just a group of studio Te- musicians? Uh, technically, mm-hmm. a one-hit wonder for a guy who was on umpteen records. Hmm. The lead singer for Reunion, if I'm remembering correct, was a guy named Ronnie Dante. And Ronnie was the lead singer on any of a number of records. Uh, but he didn't write the song. No, he didn't write it. was it. a DeFranco that wrote the song, as I recall. Yeah, that I don't remember. But Ronnie uh, was, oh, I'm not sure if he was uh, with the Pipkins. Uh, there was, he also did, um, oh, uh, Cinnamon. He, he was Derek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cinnamon, da, 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 let me in. Uh, he had a, a ton of hit records under various names in the mid-60s to mid-70s. Mm-hmm. Was he a studio musician? They just had a great voice, and so I think they so. just used I'm not him? sure if he was the guy that, that did the Archies or not. That's a good question. I, I sh- don't think so. I don't think that that was... Uh, okay, Dante? Dante? Who was it, Ron? Well, I knew you were going to ask that. Maybe I shouldn't have jumped <laughs> that, in. See, that'll teach you. <laughs> but I know who it wasn't. <laughs> uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to look that up. Now, now, who was the guy that we interviewed from Great Britain who did the Pipkins? And So I may be confusing Ronnie with, although I know Ronnie did a bunch of mm-hmm. uh, voices. There was also some guy in Great Britain that did a bunch of voices, But see, too. B- back when you were playing this music, you didn't need to know that stuff. No. Because we didn't have Google. <laughs> we, and we didn't have an audience that could text us at a moment's notice and fill us in. <laughs> yeah. And make it sound smart. By the way, you can do that at 312-981-7200. Please, help us, help us. I did mention the name DeFranco, and Paul DeFranco uh, wrote the music, and Norman Dolph wrote the lyrics to Life is a Rock. Any relation to the DeFranco family? I was wondering the same thing, because it was a few years later that the DeFranco family became very, very big. Um, But how many songs are mentioned in Life is a Rock? I cannot believe that Google is not telling me that. Songs are mentioned from the 50s, 60s, and and 70s. It's not just songs. It's uh, artists and albums. Like Fats is Back was an album by Fats Domino. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, It was was, uh, Who Didn't Start the Fire. We didn't start the fire before we didn't start the fire, right? (laughs) That's right. Right. (laughs) Have you heard the updated version of We Didn't Start the Fire? Don't think so. With the songs from like the last ten years, really? Which, no. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I mean, we'll have to dig it up tonight mm-hmm. because after all, this is National DJ Day. We can do well, that. Well, right, it's National DJ Day, everybody. <laughs> Looks like it's a little over ninety songs. Really, ninety songs? And there's well, an extended version that brings up to a little over a hundred. <laughs> well, then we need to play the extended version. Maybe we'll do that next week. Oh yes. Which reminds me, next well, Ron week we'll be here. Yeah, you won't be here now because we've got a really short show next week. We don't start till uh, midnight thirty. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> so, so it's it's basically, midnight. it's an hour and a half. And one of the things that's going to happen next week is it's um, all of the bumps 
are going to be dealer's choice. Mm -hmm. And that is basically Julian gets to come up with all the bumps and no we're not going to have any guests we're coming in for an hour and a half we're going to hang out have fun we're going to let it all hang out because it's after midnight let it all hang out that was uh oh who did that midnight uh eric clapton well after midnight was uh eric clapton but who was let it all hang out the hombres (laughs) i feel like raleigh is going to call any second now and i'm just going to go home you know (laughs) (laughs) oh and by the way ron dante Uh yeah was uh, in the Archies, so my apologies. Ha! And I should have known that, too. Because one of the best rock bands ever. Right. Best music ever. Uh-huh. The best lyrics ever. Uh-huh. A little sugar, sugar. Yeah, honey, honey. Uh, we're going to take a break for news. we got so many things coming up tonight because it's a full show. We're just, you know, hanging out, chilling out, actually warming up. Um, quick, I, I want to mention that you can see our photos uh, taken en route to the radio station tonight. And once we got here, we took some pretty cool pictures of the frozen Chicago River. The frozen tundra yeah, outside our window. It'll make you feel cold. And you can also see uh, uh, pictures of both Johnny and me taken in 1977 at our <laughs> respective radio stations at that point. It's <laughs> on our Facebook page. Baby disc jockeys. Oh. And we'll be right back here on WGN. Sleep all day, drive all night. Brain my numb, can't stop now. Sure ain't no doubt. Keep open mind, let it all hang out. Steve King and Johnny Putman. Some deep lyrics. Radio. Deep, deep lyrics. They don't write songs like that they anymore. They don't. And uh, the, uh, the Great American Songbook. <laughs> the the, <laughs> the hombres, um, they were a bunch of Memphis boys. I believe, uh, not, uh, or am I confusing this with Steeler's Wheel? But I believe the hombres were somehow related to Sam Phillips, and I think it mm-hmm. may have been recorded at, at the Sun, Sun Studios. Yeah, yeah. At uh, 706 Union Avenue. But the lyrics to that song are classic. In Memphis. You, you have to think a little moonshine came into play. No. <laughs> no. Sleep Surely all day, drive just. all night, brain my numb, can't stop now, for sure, ain't no doubt, keep an open mind, let it all hang out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Saw a man walking upside down. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's normal. My TV's on the blink, made Galileo look like a Boy Scout. Sorry about that, let it all hang out. Again, <laughs> some deep, great, like you said, great American songbook. Okay. Thank you, listeners, 312-981-7200. Yes. Uh, several people filling in the blanks for us jumped in and said uh, Ronnie Dante was also in the cufflinks. Thank you, Mark, for that. Yeah, uh, Ron Dante was indeed the Archies. Englishman we're thinking about was Tony Burroughs. He's the guy we interviewed. Yes, and so he was in the Pipkins, uh, and I forget all the other groups. Oh, he started uh, naming groups, and we we didn't even know that was his voice. Remember, we said. Uh, in, in fact, there was one time. When he did an appearance on some British, it was like an American bandstand type show, he was two different groups on the same show. And it was just him lip syncing the different records that he did. (laughs) Say he did one song, 20 minutes later comes back, he's a different guy, supposedly lip syncing a different song that he also sang. Yeah, more power to him. He did tell us, though, that he didn't get rich. You right. would think that he would with all he, the music he I did. I think uh, in most cases he got paid uh, just union session Scale. rates, and yeah. that was it. 
Yeah, they probably said, oh, well, you're lucky if this makes a blip on this scale. And it turns out to be a number one hit. Yeah. You've already signed away your life. And- I'm pretty sure someone uh, put out, I don't know if it was Bear Family or who put out, basically it was the Tony Burroughs album with all of the songs that he sang Lena, and there's a ton of them. Is he still alive? Because we have his phone number. We do. Yes, we do. And yes, to those of you who are asking, yes, we are going to have Wayne Jancic back on the show with us. For those of you who don't know, Wayne Jancic, author of the Billboard Book of One Hit Wonders. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wrote the foreword for that book years ago. And He's got uh, a new book coming out this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's already in the hands of the publisher. It's a done deal. So he said he would be back uh, with us again. He was our longest-running regular guest. Mm-hmm. Patrick Crispin was with us for many, many years right. but regularly. Even, even before Patrick was, was Wayne Jensik. And I think he was tw- <laughs> 21 years, uh, 20, 20 or 21 years. Yeah. And he missed two shows yeah. in all those years. Two and I remember why he missed those shows and how distraught he was that he missed those yeah. shows. Because Wayne was a psychotherapist by day, and music was, he said it all, it really was his refuge. It was how he... He, he told us stories of some of the kids, because uh, Wayne worked with the Chicago Public Schools, mm-hmm. and some of the kids, I don't know, any of you who remember stories about a child ex. The stories Girl were uh, were largely in the uh, the Sun Times. I think some right. of them may have run in the Tribune, but largely she was in the, the projects. And among others, Wayne wound up counseling Child X. Yes, and basically, One Hit Wonders music was his refuge against all of mm-hmm. the stuff that he had to deal with on a daily basis yep. with these with these poor kids. Oh, he's got a great story, so I look forward to yeah. having him. And it, not a week goes by that somebody doesn't say, when are you going to have Wayne on the show? So, Wayne, if you're listening, get with it, buddy. And he said he wants to wait till the book is available. Yeah. And I get that. I understand that. Um, Tony Burroughs is still alive. He's 81 years old. He lives in Exeter, United Kingdom. He was Edison Lighthouse. Oh, so good. Uh, White Plains, First Class, The Pipkins, uh, and again, the list goes on and on. Um, And we have his number, so I think we should track him down. Okay, I wonder if it's still the same number. Well. We'll find out. We we will, yes. (laughs) We have, see this? I see that. This is a list of the shout-outs that we're going to get to today. We actually have 12 states represented today, and even Chicago I know. Not to Chicago. I know. Golly. Bridgeport is listening tonight. Uh, The suburbs are listening. And oh my gosh, Nebraska and a lot of folks in Florida are tuned in. Mm -hmm. And it's cold there, too. They've got wind chill. And And, uh, those of you who are over in what, like LaPorte County? Yes. We were talking yesterday with my brother. My brother lives in Munster, Indiana didn't get anything roughly 43 miles east they got three feet of snow literally 
three bleeping yeah. feet of snow. Yeah, Bob's still in here. Your daughter lives in Portage. Portage, yeah. Now, she got a little snow. Enough that she had to shovel. But if she was moved over just a matter of a couple of miles, right? Yep. It would have been a different world. Yeah. I, it was weird looking at the weather map. It's like this swath was coming down. And I'm holding my hands up so you people at home can see that I'm demonstrating how it just cut this piece right through. I thought it was either that or you were praying. <laughs> No, this is a different... Never mind. I won't get ugly. I was going to show you another symbol that I can do, but no, I wouldn't do that. I thought that meant I was number one. You are number one, honey. You are. (laughs) Uh, But she, like, your brother said, what? I said, we're not exaggerating. We're talking feet of snow. And we're talking about how cold it is today. I saw on the almanac... 39 years ago today was the coldest day in the history of record-keeping in Chicago. The actual temperature was something like 37 degrees below zero. That wasn't the wind chill? I don't remember that 39 years ago. I remember the Christmas Eve that... In 83, when the wind chill was 60 below. below. That was the wind chill factor. But they're claiming that today, back in 39 years ago, back in 85, was the coldest on record for the city of Chicago. And the actual temperature the again actual was? The actual temperature was like 37 degrees below zero. I'll double check that. But, yeah. And I thought, well, that's got to be wind chill, but it wasn't. Hmm. But cold is cold. It's like when you're in Florida and it's hot oh, and humid. Hot it, is hot. It's like, it, in fact, again, we are having this conversation with my brother uh, yesterday. And he said, well, you know, why don't you go to Florida? We said, no, we're not heading down there because it's really cold. He said, well, what's the temperature? And we said, well, you know, it's going to be in the 20s. And mm-hmm. he said, well, that's not cold. Yes, it is when you're in Florida. In fact, I just saw on one of the TV stations in our part of Florida, in Panama City Beach, they were uh, putting alerts that the warming centers were going to be open yep. this weekend because the temperature, the actual temperatures in the panhandle are going to be in the 20s, but then with the wind chills, it's it's going to be really nasty. And it's coming and off the Gulf. You're right off the Gulf. So a 20-degree temperature off the Gulf feels colder. Yeah. It goes right through you. Unless you're Canadian. If you're Canadian, you're still running yeah. around in flip-flops and shorts. God bless them. Because if you look out and you see the Canadians, you go, well, it's a good day today. The sun is shining. You walk outside. You need a coat. But to the Canadians, it's it's mild. Well, speaking of cold, after 10 o'clock, we're going to give you some tips on how to stay warm in this cold weather. Yes, our guest has actually done research. She's interviewed people about the people who have to be out in this weather. We've had her on before, Monica Ng. She yes. is a reporter with uh, Axios Chicago. She's going to be joining us after uh, 10 o'clock. And she, wrote, she co-wrote that cool book, Made in Chicago, about food that is indigenous to Chicago. Then after... Uh, 11 o'clock, Will Byington is going to be back in studio with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will is an extraordinary uh, freelance photographer in Chicago. He's done rock star photos. He's done a a, a ton of things. He'll tell you how to take some really good pictures in this weather with your phone. Mm -hmm. Calls it photography. And then a little later tonight, we're going to talk with Tom Appel. It's his official night. Last week was, yes. a, a, it was a, a freebie for Tom. Tom is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And tonight, one of the things we're going to talk about, you may have seen it, I believe it was on uh, Channel 32, did a whole thing on this this week. 
Tesla's winter charging apocalypse. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you go to the Stephen Johnny Show Facebook page, Tom jumped on there and he put a link to a Consumer Guide blog that uh, you can kind of do a little studying for what Tom is going to be talking about when he joins us. It was eye-opening. I hope the people over Channel 32 actually read that because he fills in some of the blanks. We're going to get to some shout-outs coming up. Stay with us at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putnam at WGN Radio. Don't forget to say you will. We got a bunch of shout-outs to get to tonight. Yes. You may ask, why do I take the time to transpose all of these names? Why do you take the time to transpose all those names? Because I'm getting these names from various sources. We have our Facebook page. Right. My Facebook page. Right. The texting line. And people who just meet me in the hall and say I'm listening. So yeah. I tell them, they say, say my name. They on walk the radio. in the building, they say hi, <laughs> they, say, they walk out, that's it. They say, say my name on the radio, It'll make my life complete. And that one goes out to Stacy, an Algonquin, who threatened us a few weeks ago never to listen again if she did not hear her name on the radio. You mean Stacy in Algonquin? I do. That's Stacy. <laughs> now she's living for that every Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sandy McComas is in Michigan City, Indiana. Uh, Jim Richardson is in Chicago. Woohoo! Chicago tuned in. Uh, Donna Lo-, Lo. Oh, forgive me, Donna. You've got a Q in your name. Lo something Rico. Lo, Lo- Que Rico. It's probably a gorgeous name, and I've just butchered it, but she's in Venice, Florida, and I apologize, but I appreciate your tuning in. Uh, Patrice Tentari is one of our best fans, and she always says the sweetest things, and thank you, Patrice. And Chuck Snitchler is in Snowbert, Indiana. Mm-hmm. used to be Hobart, but it's Snowbert. And so is Bill. He checked in from a 219 area code. Robin Aikens in Port Charlotte, Florida, where they have a windchill advisory tonight. And that's... wonder what their windchill is. I think it's like 19... And that's cold. Yeah, for way down. Yeah, yeah in South Florida. Absolutely. Judy um, is in Oaklawn, Delphine Berriman. I just love the name Delphine. Mm-hmm. Even if she doesn't listen, I'm going to say her name every week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Becky uh, is listening in Northbrook, and Nancy Toffee's in West Allis, Wisconsin, and Joan Kubchak is in Glen, uh, Greendale, Wisconsin. Nancy Hollins uh, in uh Tampa, Florida. The first name is I.S. and the last name is Soomi. So Soomi hmm. is first name. Nora Brozanski is, is 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 uh, just an I.S. Uh, Nora Brozanski and Bill Voinovich and Deb Scott and her mom Annie Selke and Annie. Thank you so much for tuning in. Donna Youngheim and. Um, Ellen Maria, Diane Cappers, and John Gurney, and Bob Metzger is in Louisville, tuned in. Linda Obremski is in Plano. Uh, Susie Bacchus Music, those folks are tuned in tonight, cool. and we appreciate that. Uh, they had some nice things to say about DJ Day. What would they do without us? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. Uh, Celine is in Chicago, and Bonnie's in Butternut, Wisconsin. Uh, JP is in Peoria. Uh, Susan Powell is in Memphis. Tracy Douglas is in Savannah. Charlene Carlson and Barb um, and Elizabeth uh, Highlands in Naperville. And I should be able to read my own writing, but I'm having trouble. So forgive me. Linda's in Steger. 
This is, look, look, this is actually some darn good writing. It's just that... Some. Yeah, some of it is. (laughs) For example, there's David in um, Winnemac, Indiana. His last name, God bless him, I don't want to butcher it, it's S-Z-W-A-J-K-O-W-S-K-I. Swarkowski? Yeah. Uh, Sharon Malone is in Kenosha. Jan Reinhardt, Stan Krivka, Brian uh, Brian Lefevre is a great fan in Bridgeport, and we appreciate you tuning in, Brian. Uh, Helen Thomas is in K Town, and Bonnie Pearson in Grays Lake, and Bill Voinovich and Patty Ford, and Wendell Ford is in um, someplace in Michigan. Stevens Stevens something. Uh, Christine Failing. Stevens Point. Maybe it looks a little like that. Bobby Danos is our buddy in Sandwich. Peter Jacobowitz is in Citrus County, Florida. Susan Schemmel's in Glen Ellen. Uh, John Couture is in Warren, Michigan. Uh, Becky Goodall is tuned in. And Diane Vasquez in the South Suburbs. In Rich Van in Lansing, Illinois. Gene Jacobson in Milwaukee. Lester Clyden is driving because he, you know, is our trucking buddy. Mm-hmm. He's driving between Madison, Wisconsin, and St. Louis tonight, and he said he will be listening to us on the radio for all of those miles coming in loud and clear tonight. Ellen Maria is in McHenry County. Uh, Mary Gold is in Tinley. And if I missed you, I apologize. Um, well, we got to mention Randy, the super bagger from Jewel. From from the Jewels in Evanston. Yes, God bless her. She's been listening to us forever. Tom just checked in at 312-981-7200. He's in Tinley Park. Uh, the Johnny Gale Fan Club is tuned in in Elgin. I ask them if they're family members because I figure they must be because they check in every week week and they know how to spell my name too um a listener says we love your description of the canadians and hot versus cold yeah <laughs> yeah it it's obvious you know who the snowbirds are when you're in florida hey, and and this person uh has a good point uh says i'd rather be here in the winter where we have equipment to move the snow yes. and treat the roads like nashville oh that was oh, awful last week some of the shots from nashville were it was gorgeous horrible. it was but, gorgeous but oh. they're crazy driving because they're just not equipped to yeah. they don't expect this yeah well like we talked to our last caller last week uh, i believe it was last week he called from louisville mm-hmm. and we were talking about the fact when they get snow everything stops because they don't have salt trucks and we know because we've made that trip to florida on i-65 some of many our worst times. drives oh. and we mentioned it last week but some of our worst drives coming back from florida hitting louisville in the middle of an ice storm yes and we had to be here in time to go on the air on sunday night so we didn't have the option of stopping but the only good thing was nobody else was on the road yeah so we just kind of got right in the middle and prayed the whole way, driving like 30 miles an hour, yeah. just praying. A listener says, I remember those winters 39 years ago when they claimed that that was the coldest it had ever been in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. says, I was here in Milwaukee County. I worked second shift, and I would park my car front end into a snowbank to shield it from the wind, mm-hmm. and my car started every night. You used to live on Sheridan Road. Oh. Sheridan Road in the middle of winter. Up uh, north by Loyola. Yep, just mm. about a block or two from uh, from uh, Devon. The, uh, Devon, thank you. And the coldest mm. I've ever felt. And my little old 78 Buick Regal sat outside <laughs> and started every single day. It should not have started. But it did. I was crazy. 
And I, I, you literally would hurt walking to the car because you were in oh, an yeah. outdoor parking, um, like a parking lot on it, top of a it, building. It was behind. I, no, actually, it was this. No, this was behind the building. Yes. But it was so Coming right off cold. the lake. The wind was coming right the, off the lake. The question lake. was never, would the car start? The question was always, would I be able to get the key in the lock and open the door? That no, was The it. question was, would you survive making your way to the car? Well, there was that. Yes. Yeah. We could be wimps sometimes because you know what? Coming to work tonight was our first time out in a week. Because I didn't want to go out. I didn't yeah. have to go out. So I said, We had the I, option of having things delivered, so we took yes, that option and yes, tipped yes. people and said, thank you, we're yes. staying inside. Yes, and thanks. Th- another thing that people are going to have to deal with the next uh, week as the temperature warms up mm-hmm. is thawing pipes, and what's that going to do? Are pipes going to break? I hope not. Uh, yeah. But. They're they're now telling us that that's the next thing we have to worry about because if your pipes are frozen now, when we start to warm up, it'll take like a half hour for them to thaw out, and then you find out, oh, I've already lost sleep over you know running around the house tr- trickling the faucets, and then oh uh, yeah, and that's my big fear. And when when we leave the, in our kitchen, we open the cabinet doors. Underneath the sink, yeah, because it's on an outside wall. Yep, yep, yep. And please, please let that be enough. That's all I can say. And the time, the house is actually warm too. Yeah, and we've never had a problem. That's me knocking on wood. Yeah. We don't want it to happen this year. All right, we got a lot coming up tonight. Thank you all. You can get to us at three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred throughout the night. So do that. We'll be back on WGN. King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Stating the obvious, looks like a cold, cold winter. The last time we had our next guest on the show, she was in the studio with us, and we still have a wonderful picture of her face after she tried the Chicago handshake drink. The Malort. That's what she tried. And it was cold that night that she was here, and even Malort wouldn't warm her up. She is a reporter for Axios, and she is the co-author of Made in Chicago, Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites. She is Monica Ang. How are you tonight, Monica? I'm great. How are you? Good, good, good. I've got to say at the outset, because I follow you on Facebook, you have a great life. Whether or not you realize this, you hang with some really interesting people. You eat the most interesting food. And and you do some of the craziest stuff like hot tubbing down the Chicago River. And swimming in Lake Michigan on, uh, well, that was on Christmas Eve, wasn't it? It was Christmas Eve. Yeah, it was so warm that my kids and I decided to jump in the lake. Oh, you're you know, sometimes I look and I go, "You're crazy," but I really envy you because you have all kinds of nerve. At the at the end of the of the year, do you ever look back on pictures and stuff that you posted on Facebook from the previous year and say, "What the hell"? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Facebook actually sends me sort of a timeline, a collage, you know, yeah. your year in pictures, and sometimes I wonder, yeah, um, why I did certain stuff. Well, you do eat some really fabulous food because you had me craving pierogies the other night because you went to a little pierogi restaurant. And I think I was like a lot of people that commented on your page. We didn't even know this little restaurant existed in Chicago. Yeah, it just opened um, January 1st, I believe, in um, in Wicker Park. It's called Pierogi Kitchen. 
And um, I, you know, I, I got in there and there was nobody there. We were running errands. We said, oh, let's check out this place. And I was like, this doesn't look great. There's nobody here. Though it was pretty early. But holy cow, those pierogies were fabulous. Uh, the guy says that he uses his grandmother's recipe. He also makes his own sausage in-house. Fantastic wow. kielbasa. Makes his own sauerkraut. I, I mean, what a wonderful January rib-sticking meal. Yeah, golly, I got so hungry. I had to actually make sauerkraut after I saw that. <laughs> Ooh, yum. And you're, you, aren't you doing sauerkraut at home, too? That's another one of the, the wonderful things that you do. <laughs> Oh, you have been looking. Yeah, I, you know, you just chop up a red cabbage, you salt it, and you, you know, you jam it in a jar um, <laughs> under its own brine. And I just tried, I just opened it tonight. It took about a week and a half, and it's so delicious. And it's so, and good, so for good for you. It is. It yeah. really is. Because I, I think of kimchi. That's one of the things that you should mm-hmm. eat if you want to get good uh, probiotics in your body. And yeah. and as I'm talking to you about it, I don't know, am I the only one that has that little salivary experience where your mouth starts watering? It's like when you think about pickles yeah. or lemons and you really want it. So now I want sauerkraut and, really and bad. What is that wonderful thing that you make with sauerkraut and, and you chop up the little hot dogs? Oh, little, yes. Um, I, Vienna hot dogs chopped up in sauerkraut is oh, such a good, so good... That's a good meal. Oh, yum. And yes. you cook them together. Yes. Yeah, oh, you, and it yeah. tastes so oh, good. And you, it really, you just need to put a little water in it so that they, the hot dogs are just kind of... And I do it in hot dog coins, and they're just kind Ooh. of boiling in that kraut juice. So and, so you really chop up the hot dog, so it's yeah. really little, it has to be, tiny... It has to be... flavors mix. Yeah, and it has yeah. to be Vienna hot dogs, too. That's the only... the. Uh, because you got that all beef flavor, and I serve it with cornbread, and ooh, that's some good eating. Ooh. And trust me, Johnny makes wonderful cornbread. <laughs> that's good eating. Wow, it sounds like a new dish to add to our book. That sounds like a very Chicago dish. You know, before we talk about the reason you're going to join us tonight, speaking of food, you were on television the other day with your co-author, David Hammond, and you guys unveiled a food that I'd heard you mention before, but I had never actually seen it. And I've lived in Chicago for over 60 years, and I have never heard of the gym shoe. And you had the gym shoe on TV, and it looked fabulous. And it's a Chicago thing, right? It is. Um, it was invented probably in the 1980s, mostly on the south side. You can find uh, you know, a few versions on the north side, especially northwest side now. And it is roast beef, uh, corned beef, and um, gyros, all on one bun. Often uh, the, the, the cook will take it and chop it up on the griddle and let it get nice and crispy on the edges and have some, um, some grilled onions in there and some tzatziki on top. And it it is a flavor bomb. Wow. A few bites does it for me. Now, again, you you were not correcting yourself. It's roast beef and corned beef along with gyros. And gyros. Yeah. So, yeah, three three different meats all together. (laughs) My arteries are throbbing (laughs) as we talk. Exactly. You can also get it deep fried. You can get it. So, if 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 you've asked very nicely and the place isn't too busy, you can get what's called a super crispy gym shoe. What? Take a giant uh, tortilla, put all those ingredients in it, roll it up, and then lower it into their fryer. Oh, that sounds so good. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> becomes like a giant flavor-packed egg roll. Oh, golly. Do you deliver? <laughs> we could 
pay. <laughs> they, they just might. Yeah. Now, and, and is that spelled J-I-M, like the man's name, or is it G-Y-M, or what are we looking for? Super interesting. Um, about half the places I've been to spell it J-I-M, and then the other half spell it G-Y-M. So it's really a matter of preference. Okay, I'm going to ask the listeners... If you know of a place, 312-981-7200, text us, because there might be somewhere that's nearby that does DoorDash. <laughs> we can find out real soon. We're talking with Monica Eng. She knows about food, but she knows about so much stuff, and she writes about it for Axios and co-author of that terrific book about food from here in Chicago. And Monica, sure enough, somebody tells us where we can get a good gym shoe, and it's spelled G-Y-M. If you go to Fat Alberts on Ashland and 69th. Fat, oh, wow. Yeah, Fat Alberts. And uh, so this caller is, is spelling it G-Y-M. First, he spelled it gumshoe, and I went, oh, wait yeah. a minute. Gumshoe does not <laughs> sound appetizing. <laughs> not that gym shoe does, but okay. So staying warm in the cold winter in Chicago, you had some tips, and you posted them on uh, Axios. And uh, you want to share some of the tips with us? Sure. You know, I, I've been uh, sort of researching this for years, uh, talking to mail carriers and photographers and outdoors types who had to, you know, really, you know, come up with uh, cold weather tips. And, and I've tried them out on myself. And what I found, and I don't know, maybe you guys remember this when you were kids where your mom would be like, it's a rainy day, put a bread bag over your socks. Yes. yes. And then put your foot in. Yes. And that really works. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sort of keeps the wind out. So I do a sock, then a bag, then another sock, and then a, a boot or a shoe that's big enough to hold that foot. <laughs> and it really keeps me warm. So it's a size um, 20 shoe. <laughs> Well, well so, so that's your foot. And so you can, you know, do a thinner sock for your base layer and then um, then a bag and then a nice wool sock. But wool socks are the best to yes. keep warm. Yes. But, uh, but honestly. Or jewel bags. The, the, the bags, I was just going to say, you might not have a Wonder Bread bag because that's what I always go back to, the Wonder Bread bag. My mom would keep right. them and shake out all the crumbs. And I'd say, no, I don't <laughs> want to. You're not going ice skating unless you wear these bags on your feet. And exactly. now you've got the jewel. It worked. Yeah. Now, except you wouldn't have jewel bags if you shop at the Evanston Jewel because you can't have bags there. But that's a different story. So there you go. So the other um, tips. And, okay, so that was your feet, um, but then um, your hands. I've always wondered: gloves, mittens. What's the warmest? And I talked to photographers, and they said, believe it or not, those nitrile gloves, some people, you know, there's latex, but if you're allergic to latex, they've gone to nitrile, which are almost you know, the same as those rubber gloves. Uh-huh. Uh, they put one of those on, and then a mitten. And I swear that is the warmest thing. And if you need to use your hand to, you know, you know, answer your phone or, mm-hmm. you know, look at Instagram, you can take your hand out for a second and, and your fingers are still keeping each other warm. Mm-hmm. And I, I did that for the last week when it was so terrible. I did that and I took long walks and I was just, just fine. So I would say, um, you know, a mitten in general, but if you need to, if you want to wear something under it, one of those nitrile gloves is but great. I and would... I would also recommend something that it, it kind of is a, a twofer, if you will. If you're going mm-hmm. to be out long enough that you think you're going to work up an appetite, boil a couple of eggs. Put them in your pocket while they're hot. I tell you, oh, if you yeah. put your hands in that pocket and hold that egg, <laughs> it works. It's going to be warm. <laughs> well, on that same note, I, I recommend a baked potato. Oh. 
Um, so I'll bake a couple of potatoes, and then I used to just put them in my pocket straight, but then they, they start to sweat, and you don't want to have condensation in your pocket, so I put them in a plastic bag, then put them in an inside pocket. Oh, my God. Okay, Monica, I have to jump in because baked potato, you remind me of... It was a Memorial Day. Memorial Day. I was years ago. I was having a picnic. Out on our patio, having a picnic, and it was cold. And everybody wanted to go in, and I said, "You will not go in the house. We are having a picnic outside." And they were grumbling, and I, I opened up the lid of the barbecue grill, and I took out all the potatoes, and I walked around. I said, "Here, here, here! Hold this potato." We were all holding potatoes (laughs) in the cold. Now it's it's a standing joke. Whenever we have a picnic in the house, they say. Oh, do we have to bring our own potato? I'm like, it's July. It's okay. It actually kind of worked. It did. Well, it worked on our hands, at least. But you see... Well, if you can, you know, put that big potato in an inside pocket. Yes. Um, it really helps. And on the same note, you can take a water bottle... And put, you know, obviously not boiling water, but very, very warm water, oh. and that can be your hot water bottle. Or they've got these new hand warmers mm-hmm. that, they, you know, that you just kind of press them, you, you charge them, mm-hmm. you press a button, and instantly it's, just, it's like having a hot egg in your hand. And they'll charge your phone. I got one at Aldi this year, and they're, they're all, you can get them on Amazon, easy peasy. I have a friend. So that's free body. Go ahead. She goes to the, uh, the all the Bears games in crazy, crazy cold weather, and it... I think she rubs Ben Gay on her hands and then puts her gloves on. That's what one photographer told me. It didn't work that great for me, but she swears by it. She says Ben Gay on her toes, (gasps) then pantyhose, then a wool sock, and then a boot. What? And she said that she's never been warmer. And, you know, Tribune photographers who I worked with, who I interviewed, they have to stand outside, you know, waiting for a shot for a long, long time. And so I, you know, I really trusted them because they've they've often had to uh, stand in the cold for a very long time, yeah. and they really needed to pick up these tricks. Wow! But Ben Gay, it seems like it'd be counterintuitive because I always feel cold when I put yes. Ben Gay on. Yeah, that's how it works. I thought she was um, I, honestly. I thought she was fooling because yeah. I thought every time I've used it on my shoulder, number one, you smell, and uh, yeah. then I, yeah, I, I always feel like it's kind of like an icy hot. Of, yeah, so fact, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. in the cold weather, that's what it does. Hmm. Um, so then on the face, um, I have experimented with so many different balaclavas and so many different things where you put, you know, a scarf in front of it, and you're always breathing, and then next thing you know, it's got condensation, and you don't want that in freezing cold weather. So I got this balaclava that had a really good nose hole. I felt like Batman because it kind of juts out. And if you just breathe out of your nose, then, then I, was, I was finding that I wasn't getting that condensation. Um, but then when I would start to talk to my friend who I was walking with, you know, forget it. Then <laughs> it got all wet there. Because when you are trying to protect your face, there, there aren't a lot of great options. Um, but I, I've also I got this tip from a male carrier to put Vaseline on your face. And a lot of people are like, oh, Vaseline, that's going to clog my pores. Well, I mean, maybe it does, but it also protects your face um, from the really biting wind. Have you guys ever tried that? No, I can't imagine rubbing (laughs) Vaseline on my face. No, thank you. Maybe smearing a big layer of it. No, I just, you know, all of a sudden you're really smelling bad. Now you're Ben Gay, you're boiled (laughs) eggs, and (laughs) you're (laughs) Vaseline. And you're using... um, 
Just, you're using a, a football player. Let me stop and, you there. And, the, the, and we'll come back to your son in just a moment. You're using a term that some people might not be familiar with. You're calling a, a, a ski mask, a face mask. Oh, balaclava. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a face mask. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that. I, I've never heard that. Was, yeah. what, where did that term come from? That's a good question. It sounds sort of Slavic, but yeah, yeah when, when I'm buying these on Amazon, I just type in balaclava, but I bet if I type in ski mask, it's the same thing. I bet you I would get baklava. That's exactly <laughs> where my <laughs> mind was going. <laughs> Again, there's a White food thing. All over your face. <laughs> but you were going to tell us, your son is a football player. And, um, yeah, and so when he has to stand on the sidelines with these bare arms in sub-zero temperatures or freezing temperatures, he said that they just put Vaseline or Tiger Balm all over their arms, and it really works. Wow. Wow. That just makes me uncomfortable to think about that. But then again, yeah. there's there's a game going on in Green Bay right now. Tomorrow yeah. in Buffalo, they're going to be playing Kansas City and Buffalo. I can't even imagine how cold that is going to be. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, um, you know, we can't even, like, breathe properly. Um, but if they stayed home and they went into their bathroom and worked out of their bathtub, they would probably stay warm, which is what I do. Um, a lot of homes, for some reason, if they've got forced air right in the bathroom, yes. that's the one room in the house that stays warm. So that's where I go when it's really, really cold and drafty in my house. And I set up my computer there and work there, and it's great. You get in the bathtub? Yeah, I put cushions in there, and I've got this thing that can go over the tub, like, you know, those things where you can read a book in the tub? Yeah. Um, I've got a desk I can set up in there. and it's <laughs> I want to see a picture. Oh, nice and warm. Oh, oh, we've got a picture online. Oh, my I can I can send you an extra one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because I'm thinking, once you're in there, if a hurricane comes through, fine. If a tornado comes through, you're already where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you've got, you've got everything you need in there. You have to go to the bathroom. You're there. You need some water. you you got that. I'm, I'm looking at this picture on your, uh, on your blog now. Yeah. <laughs> it looks pretty yeah. cozy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if so, you if you're lucky, you've got a cup holder for your wine at the desk. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, I think it's going to warm up a little bit tomorrow, so I won't have to be working my bathtub oh. um, much longer this week. Monica, I'd been reading about this whole thing of hot tubbing down the Chicago River. And I thought, mm-hmm. who the heck would do that? <laughs> and well, lo and behold, Monica, Monica. would do that. What was that That's like? Right. Well, we, we held our um, our office uh, holiday party um, in a hot tub on the Chicago River. And um, it was actually, you know, we were very skeptical, but we had a great time. It was super fun. Um, I didn't expect it. And, you know, the, the hot tub water really does keep you warm. We were all wearing, you know, either bathing suits or sort of like bathing suits and, and uh, sun shirts. And it was great. You know, people on bridges were taking pictures of us, and we were waving, and we had our playlists going. We were dancing in the water. Um, our, our colleague, Justin, he had to steer the boat, so he had to be responsible. But the rest of us were kind of just jumping around and dancing, and, you know. And how we cold was it? We could have had margaritas. Sorry. How cold oh, was it when water. you were doing that? It was. It was not like right now. It was more like 38 to 40 um so i mean i don't know they said when there's ice on the river they won't have them running um when when it's totally iced over yeah so um you know it's partially iced over right now 
but it was it was actually super fun. I thought we were going to be very cold, but the water really mitigates um, the cold. And it did go from 104 when we started to about 95 wow. by the end of our our hour long trip. Um, but that was still warm enough for me. Now, th- this is a new thing for Chicago. This is uh, it, it started yeah started back in December. Do we yeah. know? Does any other city do this? I guess not every city has a river running through it, so they probably don't do it. But I'm thinking, wh- yeah. Wh- yeah. why? <laughs> Philly, Boston. Um, my my little sister who was working in Berlin, so they were doing it in Berlin. Really? I think because because people dig it. You know, um, almost all the reservations that I've seen, at least for the next two months, are already booked for this this hot tub. Really? And, how how um, many people you know, in a I, tub? How many? Because you said your your office is it four, six, eight? How many fits in a will fit in a tub? Well, at first, they said six people, and then after like about a week out, they said, "Hey, you need to actually do something that's really awkward with people you work with. You need to find out how much everybody weighs." <laughs> I think it really violated some HR rules yeah. asking everybody because they said there's an 800 pound limit, and so um, oh, no. we could only really have four people. Uh, they say up to six as long as they're you know tiny people. Oh now, now, where does the boat go? Does it go around Wacker, or where, or where does it go? Well, so so um, you the people in your boat drive it, so it can pretty much go anywhere. But you leave out of Marina City, mm-hmm. and so um, you know Justin said it was pretty hard to steer, and so we kind of just puttered around Marina City <laughs> a lot. I don't think we went more than two bridges away from where we were. Oh my gosh. Um, but it was super fun. I don't know if you guys saw, though, you know, of course, you know, Christmas Eve, my son has to say, hey, mom, I hear you went on one of these boats. Check out this picture. And there was a picture circulating on social media of, of some couple in Chicago oh, yeah. who took out one of these boats. Yes. And let's say they were doing something that may not have been, you know, mm-hmm. legal to do in public. Uh-huh. Uh, and I said, that wasn't us. That was not <laughs> <laughs> the Exos boat. Um, and and that you do have to sign a whole bunch of waivers. One of them saying you're not going to get nude, um, you're not going to fish, you're not going to do, uh, you know, that the driver won't drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have to promise to behave. Wow. That's the Chicago Electric Boat Company is behind the hot tub boats. Do we know how many they have that could go out on any given day when the weather is, when the river is loose and not all iced over? Um, it looked like they had two to three at a time. Oh, I wow. saw I saw another one while we were going out, and um, and you do it by the hour. They encourage you to do at least uh, two hours at a time, and it's one hundred and fifty eight dollars per hour. So it's not super cheap, but mm-hmm. you know if everybody pitches in, or if your company's paying for it, or if you get a press tour, it's it's more affordable. Oh, it's not one hundred fifty eight dollars a person an hour. It's for the boat. For the whole boat, yeah, you rent oh, the boat. That's not bad at all. Hour. Well, that's a hoot. Yeah, yeah. gosh, because if it's you a... guys should do it after work. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I just get chilled. Julian. What do you think? No. Uh, Three o'clock in the morning. Uh... No. No, no. I don't have my trunks, but I'm down. <laughs> You're right. Oh. That, I, I have a feeling, though, the whole business of taking people's weights, that's where it's going to get kind of iffy. Like, maybe yeah. somebody from the company should ask those questions so it doesn't become common knowledge for everybody in your boat. Okay. Exactly. I, I have to ask you, with all of the wacky things that you do, 
Do you ever have you ever found yourself in a situation where you said, "Why am I doing this?" <laughs> oh, lots of them. Um, I can't. Well, I had to, you know, to try like the new um, ride at Great America. There was one where you like go super high up, and then they just drop you in free yes. fall. I'm like, why? Why did they do this? this yes. Is a mistake. Yes. Um, and then you know, just eating certain certain things. Like you know, I was like, okay, there's another insect buffet. Okay, I'll go try that. Why? <laughs> I don't want to eat another tarantula. No. Oh, no. Mealworm. No. But all for journalistic uh, research. Yeah. But yeah. well, if anybody wants to uh, to find you, how do they do it? The blatant plug light has gone off. So uh, how do you want people to find you and uh, and get in touch with you? Well, thanks for the blatant plug light. On axios.com slash Chicago, you can find all of our stories, and you can sign up for the newsletter there. It's totally free, and we put five of the most important or most um, charming stories in your email every morning. Well, one of the things, um, I'm going to take us back to food if we can. Mm -hmm. One of the fun things that you did, yes, you've eaten bugs before, but you got to try something that is going to be unveiled nationwide. Oh, yeah. Uh, through the Subway yeah. sandwich shops, and I was doing a little research today, and I, I read that last year, one quarter of the food that Americans eat is, in fact, snack food. One quarter mm. of everything that we take wow. in. And you got to try this new thing that's coming out at Subway. It's foot-long desserts, foot lo- or, or Subway sidekicks, yeah. they're called, Right. Yeah, uh, and, you know, Chicago got them, strangely, about two weeks before the rest of the nation. So I tried them, and if you want an entire foot of pretzel, uh, soft pretzel, or an entire foot of churro, or an entire foot of a soft chocolate chip cookie, uh, Subway is the place to go. And uh, so I went and tried them to see which was best, you know, because um, if you're going to commit to an entire foot of um, of food, you're going to want it to be good. Um <laughs> The churro, you know, actually most churros are probably about a foot. That was $2. It was, you know, freshly cooked and cinnamony and mm. crisp and, and really nice. And then for $3, it was a nice, uh, you know, pillowy hot pretzel served with honey mustard. Mm. I really liked that as well. But I think the winner was the $5 warm, chewy chocolate chip cookie which is actually more like a cake. Um, and you could bring it over to someone's house and the five of you could split uh, a dessert. And I, I couldn't believe how much I liked that. I mean, I think the freshly baked and the warm part about mm. it was uh, was super appealing. Yeah. But I was, I was surprised how much I liked each of them. And the big surprise was if you take the churro and then dip it in the honey mustard that's made for the pretzel, <laughs> that is super delicious. That is weird, but sounds wonderful. And of course, be, because you're you're doing this uh, to write an article, there are no calories no involved. No calories. In yeah. No, no, they just they don't count at all. Do How they, many calories um, did you say you found I, in the, the chocolate chip cookie? The footlong cookie has one thousand four hundred and forty calories. That's more right. calories than you need okay. in a day. Yeah, fourteen hundred and four. That's why I say share it. Share yes. it with ten friends. Share yes. it with many people. Yes. Now the footlong pretzel, not bad at three hundred and thirty calories, because you can open a bag of pretzels and eat three hundred and thirty and not even fill your belly. But you know, a footlong pretzel, I 
I think that's probably going to fill you up. And the footlong churro at two bucks is 190 calories. So there's an awful lot of air with that sugar, but it's warm air. And gosh, and, and apparently churros is one of the most popular snacks in this country as of the 21st century. We're just gravitating. I think uh, Trader Joe's has them. Uh, Costco's had a really popular churros. And now Subway decided, well, if everybody's loving it, we're going to give them a foot-long churros. (laughs) Yeah. I was just watching this Netflix show, The Brother's Son, tonight, and there's a big churro theme in there. They really love to go and get the (laughs) the best churros in L.A. in this one. You know, I'm having a hard time talking. I am salivating. So, and we have literally, I have crackers. That's all we have tonight. We have Oh, no. Some sad crackers. Again, do you deliver? Need some pierogies. <laughs> pierogies, yeah. yeah. sauerkraut, yes. and some churros, and, and a gym, and a gym shoe too. Yes. Uh, tying up some loose ends here. A balaclava, a listener tells us, is named for the Battle of Balaclava during the Crimean War oh. of 1854. British troops wore this headgear to keep warm, and so they just decided they would call it that. But it's also a monkey cap or a ski mast or a shiesty, S-H-I-E-S-T-Y. So that's a whole nother tangent we can go Hmm. off on. But that's everything we needed to know about a balaclava, which, by the way, another listener tells us is outlawed in Philadelphia. You will get ticketed if you're wearing one in Philadelphia. And if you commit a crime and you're wearing one, your penalty goes up. What? Wow. Yes. So if you did, well, what do they do to protect their faces? Maybe a lot of Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was shocked. And this is a relatively new. This is not one of those wacky laws that, you know, you look and you say, oh, it's not. It's a well, no, I mean, it's not one of those like it's against the law yeah. to say Joliet. You know, they'll arrest you if you say Joliet instead of Joliet <laughs> and Illinois instead of Illinois. This is a real law that was passed apparently during uh, covid. And there was some concern that people would would commit crimes wearing the mask. And so if you're caught shoplifting, for example, or trying to rob a bank, apparently your penalty goes way high if they report that you were wearing a mask, a balaclava. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I hope they don't have super cold winters. <laughs> we're talking with Monica Ng. You should go to axios.com slash Chicago and uh, do a search for Monica Ng, and you will find some, some fascinating articles. Uh, Monica has a fun life. <laughs> Yes. I'm vicariously living through her since I haven't gone out of the house for a week. So I I look at the places she's gone to eat and the things she's doing. One of the really cool things you're doing, and I'm glad you remembered this uh, so we could mention it, Monica, the Chicago Free Food Scrap Program. I love this. Uh, Tell us all about that. Yeah, so um, earlier last year in the fall, the city announced that they're going to um, have a food scrap collection program, 15 spots across the city. You can bring, you know, your carrot peels, your tangerine peels, and any of your food waste, and then they'll turn it into composting. And they want to turn it into compost that you can use in your garden to enrich your soil instead of sending, you know, it to the landfill. And about 20% of Chicago's residential waste is stuff that could be composted instead. And so this 
you know, saves the city money, and it also saves creating methane in the landfill, mm-hmm. and it gives people and, you know, farmers some, some nice stuff to grow with. So um, just check out, you know, just you can just type in, uh, you know, Chicago Compost Food Scrap Program, and then you can sign up, and, say, and then they'll tell you which your closest one is in your city. And then, you know, when you have a, a bucket of, um, you know, again, carrot peels, apple cores, you can just go dump it there and, and really feel better about it. And what I learned is that the city is trying to see which neighborhood is signing up the most and, um, and, and doing the highest numbers of collections because they will start a pilot collection program where they'll actually come and pick it up at your house what? in the areas that are really using it most. Wow. So is it scattered all across the city or is it just primarily the downtown neighborhoods or north side or all across the city? Really? All across the city. And so they want to see which parts of the city are going to use it most. At this point, I got the numbers and um, the the one that has Rogers Park, Edgewater, Andersonville and um, and Ravenswood is the one that is has the most number of signups. After that, it's Logan Square. And then after that, it's the Avondale area, which is also Lakeview. Hmm. So those are the top three contenders for this um, city program at this point. And we're going to put a, a link to this uh, on our Facebook page and also on our blog. And it, 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 I love that the city of Chicago is doing this. I had no clue until we yeah. saw this article that you wrote. Yeah. And yeah, I've been pushing them to do it for a long time because it's, you know, it's better for the earth and it's better for the city's budget. So what you do is you have a small can that you are using that's kind of out of the way in your kitchen and you're just taking those food scraps and you're just putting it in that can when it gets all filled up. You're just taking it yeah. and dropping it off. Yep, yep, and you probably have one right near you. You know, New York City, uh, next year, it will be absolutely mandatory for everybody to separate it out. What? So if New York can do it, you know, we can, if New York can do a mandatory five-borough program, we can do a voluntary one for now, and then and then a pilot sometime later this year in one neighborhood. But aren't we putting our scraps in plastic, and isn't that kind of counterintuitive? Well, yeah, we, we, you should not, when you bring it, you need to dump it without any plastic. So it just goes in there and then they, they bring it to the place and they put it in these, uh, you know, these sort of like processing machines that kind of grind it up. And then it, you know, it becomes this uh, beautiful soil amendment for the spring. Because hmm. I had visions of like somebody, you know, say, oh, I've got to drop off my compost and you've got a plastic bag, your jewel bag that you've knotted up and you take it and toss it. And then you've got piles of these plastic bags. And I thought, well, that's that's not going to fly. Yeah. That's not going to work. Contamination. Yeah. Contamination is a big problem. So they do want to. So if, when you sign up. You have to promise you have to sign a thing and say, yes, I watched your instructional video, so I know what I can and cannot put in there. But that has been a problem when when cities have rushed this in the past. They found that people are putting the wrong stuff in there, and so they want to make sure um, that the people are putting the right stuff in there. But there's really a broad range of the right stuff. It feels like this is something Evanston should have been on the cutting edge of. Yeah, you would I don't think. know why, but I'm thinking like Evanston would have said, we've been doing this for years and we know how to do it. And so well, they do have it. Several several um, suburbs, you know, Oak Park, Evanston, uh, several suburbs already have the pickup program, I had which no is great. Idea. 
I had no idea. Yeah. Like, well, you've really enlightened us tonight. I want to go on a hot tub boat ride. I want to eat pierogies. <laughs> <laughs> I want to rub Vaseline so we on my do- face. We want to be doing composting on a hot tub ride <laughs> yes. while we're eating pierogi. <laughs> And a gym shoe. And a gym shoe. Gym shoe, yes. yes. It is so nice to talk with you. And if people do want to find you at Axios, and they should sign up. Um, The last article I read was about uh, the Democratic National Convention coming to Chicago. Highly recommend you all read that before it sneaks up on you. Great article. And Axios is spelled A-X-I-O-S, Axios Chicago. And you can sign up and just stay up to date on things. And that's where you'll find Monica. And um, Monica's very active on Facebook, too. That's why she's like my friend. We go eating all the time, even though I'm not there. (laughs) Thank you, Monica. Thanks so much for having me. Nice talking to you. Stay warm. Take care. Bye-bye now. She is so much fun. Oh, my gosh. And, again, go to axios.com slash Chicago. Do a search for Monica Ng. And her articles are fun. Just she lives a fascinating life. And the book, we met her last year. Even though we worked in the Tribune Tower with her for many years, uh, our paths never crossed because of our schedules. But her book with David Hammond is a terrific Mm -hmm. book. And it's the kind of book that uh, if you've got family or you've got friends coming in from out of town, you want to give them a guide, Mm -hmm. something fun to do. It's Made in Chicago Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites, book that she wrote with David Hammond. And... um, it's just, it's like a travel book, and it will educate you even if you've lived in Chicago your whole life. I'm speaking from experience. You'll read this and go, what? Mm-hmm. Since when? And the gym shoe was one of those examples of, really? <laughs> now, we're going to put uh, links to uh, her Axios page. We'll put it on our Facebook page and also on our blog. And by the way, don't forget to uh, to check out our blog and it'll take oh roughly 48 hours and you'll find on our blog you find a link to the podcast of tonight's show and links to all of the songs we're using is bumps tonight too mm-hmm. and we will have some links specifically to axios and some of the sites that we've been talking about yeah listener sends us a picture of churros from costco she found these in costco today and said they're especially good with milk we're going to start chewing on our ankle before yeah, we the end are. of the show. We are so hungry right now. <laughs> we got crackers. That's it. Coming up after the news, a return visit in studio from freelance photographer Will Byington. We're going to talk about uh, some of the places he's been and, and will be and some of the photography mm-hmm. he's been doing and how you can do great photos on your phone and also about how he spent a little time with Buddy Guy this oh, past week, too. Terrific Some pictures. Great photos. Yeah. So all of that coming up. Stay with us at WGN. King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Mm. Buddy guy, damn right I got the blues. That warm you up. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so why are we playing Buddy? Well, Buddy's in town till early February playing yeah. at his club. Yeah. And with us in studio is Chicago photographer Will Byington. And you took some awesome pictures of Buddy the other night. <laughs> he, I, I love those shots where, where he's he's just walking outside the club and as he's been doing for years. That, what was that, that all like? So B- Buddy Guy's one of those guys that 
he's easy to photograph. He makes a photographer's dream job. Well, he's got the so greatest easy. face in the world. He's got the greatest face. He's at 87 years old. He's still he's got more energy than I do at 45. Yeah. yeah. He, the the energy he puts in, the the excitement he plays with, the joy he seems to have still mm-hmm. getting on stage at, at Buddy Guys Legends. I'm no Paul Nacken, let me say that. <laughs> Legendary Chicago photographer. Uh but it's so fun to go down. And, and I actually just went as a fan. I, I was sitting at home. I'd, I'd stayed home like most of us all week with the freezing temperatures we've been having. And I said, you know, I want to keep, I tried to go every year at least once. Mm-hmm. So I went down to the show. And about halfway through the show, he does that where he, he gets off stage. He walks through the crowd. And it's so great to watch people who've mm-hmm. never been there see him yeah. walk up to their table and whatnot. <laughs> But then also, and again, because I've been lucky to go numerous times and, and been lucky to get to know some of his family, some of his crew, uh, his great uh, manager and uh, and his personal manager, uh, Annie, who's fantastic. Uh, so I kind of, I was lucky, you know, you're not everybody's allowed to follow him outside. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, they don't want the entire club following right. him yeah. out. I've actually gotten a couple notes from people saying, oh, you know, when does he do that? How long is he out there? I'm going to go just stand out there. And I was like, don't do that. Because yeah. he's not even guaranteed to yeah. walk out onto, onto Wabash. But he walks out there. He was out there for about a minute. And the video is just great. At one point, he's hearing himself, but he also hears the train going by right. the, the uh, orange line just yeah. a block away. And he, and he kind of goes... Is that me? Oh, no, that's the train. <laughs> Time to go back in. And, and it's great. He goes right back in, has a girl help him play the guitar, and then he does a shot. You know, 87 years old, goes yeah. right to the bar. Yeah. Damn right I got the blues, but, you know, take me down to the river and watch me drink is the, is the line he, he says in the, <laughs> in the clip I have on, on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram as well as uh, TikTok. Yeah, and you mentioned our friend Paul Natkin. Uh, that. As a matter of fact, Paul did some of our first um, promo photos mm-hmm. here at WGN. And in one of the pictures that you posted, it's a black and white shot. And you've got uh, Paul in that shot, yeah, too. Taking that, pictures of Buddy. That was yeah. one of the last times. I think that was. I think that might have even been last year. Paul, Paul Nacken is hands down one of the best photographers I've ever seen. And he's just one of the coolest guys. And, yeah, he, and he is. Yeah. It's funny at my age and and what I do and and what I've been lucky to do, whether it's the rock and roll cruises, whether it's uh, the Murray brothers, I can't even hold a candle to what Paul Natkin has done. You know, I think I live a cool life and then you You do, but then you go, yeah, the Rolling Stones aren't calling me personally. Keith Richards doesn't ring up my cell phone uh, like they do Paul Natkin. You too doesn't you know unfortunately they lost my number i think yeah i think he did the uh the time springsteen was on the cover of time magazine oh, yeah. the first time he yeah. was on time that was yeah. paul's picture was paul. and it kind of gave him national almost, cred. almost all the incredible photos from yeah. back in the day and, and he and i had an interesting talk which has kind of led me to to why i'm even here talking about the photo the photo classes i'm doing paul Nack and i were talking once and, and he kind of said will he goes you know you got great work but nobody really wants to buy the photos. You know, people who are looking to really buy those classic rock and roll shots are from pre-1990, probably even, really, oh. 2000, pre-2000. Yeah. And, and he had such a blessing and an amazing opportunity. And just his whole story is fascinating. The way he got in with all these artists mm-hmm. in the 70s 
and in the 80s. And he was the only guy in the room with a camera. Mm -hmm. And now, and it's kind of what has inspired me to create my phonography classes, teaching the photography with your phone, is everyone has a camera now. And and there's something, I I wish I could just go back in time to when Paul Necken was the only guy in the room and be one of the only photographers. Mm -hmm. And there was a trust there there yep. was a there was a level of trust and and even buddy guy you know it's funny uh at the end of his show i waited and i bought a poster and i, and I wanted to do a a two-second portrait and before we're done here tonight i'm gonna do a two-second portrait of y'all with one of the Uh-oh. lights that i've got i've got yeah. this new light <laughs> and you'll be able to share it on facebook and and whatnot but i was like i want to try and take a just a two-second portrait of buddy guy and it was funny johnny one of his his staff guys was was like oh no flash no flash. I was like, the whole idea here is this flash oh. that I've got that syncs with my phone. And it's a flash that makes just really cool, really unique photos. And, and uh, you know, again, there's a, I'm just a, a bum off the street to Buddy Guy. He doesn't know who, he doesn't know me. I've met him a couple times, but he doesn't remember me. Mm-hmm. But Paul Natkin walks in the room and he knows him instantly. Mm-hmm. And there's that familiarity. That is something really unique. But he was also taking pictures back in a time when the audience was there to live in the moment as opposed to watching it through their phone. Overrated. No, I'm joking. No, no, seriously, because no, I'm. Very true. We've talked to many, many performers that say they just get this this feeling this when they look out and they just see phones looking at yeah. them and they know that this is going to go up on YouTube and that's frustrating sometimes because maybe they're trying out new material and they'd rather it not be released too early but they also want you to live in the moment yeah. and enjoy yeah. what's happening I'm so torn on it it's it's a unique thing where we are because even the way I enjoy a show is I do enjoy shooting it mm-hmm. I enjoy the challenge of trying to capture oh, a sure. moment yeah. capture an excitement and I'm torn because even the tweet, you know, the tweet that I did with the video of Buddy Guy from Thursday mm-hmm. night has been seen. I, I got a message on Instagram over 10,000 times, on Instagram, countless times on Twitter, on yeah. X, um, Facebook, all the things. And I'm torn because I agree. I, I fully believe everybody should have their moment to capture that and share it, but then put the phone away. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but I am torn because. Hopefully, even my little video, if it turns three new people onto Buddy Guy and well, onto the blues, well, the, the, I, it's a success. The, the classic example of that, um, we're talking about Tommy Emanuel off the air. Tommy's a dear friend, and for years, Tommy hated when anyone would start taking a video of him while he was doing a concert until he got booked over in Russia. the U.K. and in Russia and he was selling out. He'd never played there. And when he got there, he said, why are you people here? And they said, because we saw your videos. Yeah. We and, saw you and, and he said, okay, yeah. and he I is, get it. If you don't know him, Tommy Emanuel, one of the most incredible guitarists out there today. And just watching his hands, you almost need slow motion yep. video yep. to even have an idea of what he's doing with yeah. his guitar playing. He, I've seen Tommy multiple times. There are times it seems like there's seven guitarists on stage. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And it's just yep. him. We say it every time he's on the radio. One man, one guitar. Honestly, we're not kidding you. <laughs> well, and we've told the story before. Of, uh, there was a cardiologist friend of ours yes. that we took to see Tommy during one of his early gigs here. I think it was it at Chubas? It was at Chubas, yeah. And after the show, the cardiologist was standing up and he said, 
everybody needs to go and see Tommy. This is a cardiac workout. <laughs> it's aerobic. Absolutely yes. <laughs> incredible. It, so I'm torn. I, I do believe, and you know, again, it's giving me a career because a lot of people are asking me, even with my phone classes, how to take better concert mm-hmm. photos, how to take better content with low light at a show and, and whatnot. So I am a I am a big believer if if it's really capture that moment, capture that experience, share it. The thing I hate is the people who one film every single song. Yes. You're never yeah. gonna watch those. And the second thing is there are ways to get good quality with your phone. I, I stand by that. You can get mm-hmm. amazing and there, and again, if you look at the video I shared from Buddy Guy, that's 100% iPhone wow. of the video of mm-hmm. Buddy Guy, uh, shot in cinematic mode, so which is a mode on the newer iPhones. But don't be the guy filming every song, and don't be the guy filming where you hold the camera yes. over your head. You see these people yeah. where they just hold it up over their head. They're obviously blocking everybody behind them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're rocking out which is great i want everybody to enjoy rock and roll we we are music fans here mm-hmm. everyone's a music fan enjoy the show how you do but if you're the guy with your phone waving uh, over your head like you just don't care you know wave your hands in the air like you just don't care but you've got that big phone or an ipad sometimes yes and and you're doing it that video is not gonna be it's good no. Yeah. no one's gonna watch it it's not going to turn anybody onto the band, mm-hmm. and you're never going to enjoy that. But if you take some care, and, and you know, I'll hold my phone just below my chin. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of, and sometimes I'll even use my chin to to support it, so it's not totally rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll I'll brace my arms on my side mm-hmm. and and hold it about chest level. And I fully know that way I'm not blocking anybody's view behind me. Most people are not even going to know I'm filming, right? And and sometimes you get some pretty you epic, sure do. epic content. Well, well, Byington is our guest. We're going to take a break and come back. And he's mentioned a couple times that he's got some classes. We're going to tell you all about those as we talk about taking better pictures with your phone on WGN. My baby left me. My baby even left me. Never said a word. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. We're talking with... Will Byington, about photography. Now, you're wondering, why the heck am I playing Elvis Presley, My Baby Left Me? Okay, we're talking about picking your moments. To me, one of the best examples of picking moments was early Elvis and a photographer named Alfred Wertheimer, who was given access to Elvis before the colonel and everybody else said, no, you can't do that. And you will find, if you do a search for Alfred Wertheimer, you'll find some of the best black and white, not just on stage, but backstage, coming down the stairs, uh, kissing a girl down the stairs. And, and my point is, as you were talking, Will, about it's not just hold the camera up, for, hold the phone up for the whole concert. No, pick your moments. And to me, if you look at, at what Alfred did... Boy, did he know how to pick his moments. So it's interesting you bring him up. So as we've talked about in previous visits, my best client is a company called Sixth Man that does rock and roll cruises. Mm-hmm. I've now done 158 six-man cruises <laughs> oh my gosh. Over, over a number of years. Uh, coming up in March, I'll do one called Kayamo, which is one Tommy Emanuel's done and mm-hmm. other people. 
it'll be my two years at sea is what they, they call it saltiness. So how many days you've spent at sea and I uh, coming up, it'll be two years of my life that wow. I will have been out at sea on doing these cruises, photographing them about 12 years ago. We did an Elvis cruise mm-hmm. and for three years in a row, we did sponsored by Graceland had members of Elvis's band mm-hmm. And about 22 Elvis tribute artists, which oh. is a little too much Elvi yeah. for me, uh, Elvi, but it was great. It, and it was actually awesome. And the first year was amazing. I think it was the second year they advertised that Elvis's photographer was coming on the boat. And I was like, oh, this is going to be incredible. And it was Alfred. And mm. he came on the boat. And the funny thing, to your point, though, is he came on the boat and I thought, oh, here's the guy who toured with Elvis for 10 years or whatever. Alfred Wertheimer spent, I think it was three days yep. in 1957 yep. with Elvis. Three days. And then 50 years later, he's still, wow. he had a coffee table book and he's yeah. still talking about it. But the reason he's still talking about it, to your point, is it is some of the most incredible photos of Elvis. Some of them you've seen, some of them you haven't. Yeah. But just an incredible, he captured it, I think, for Life magazine, I think it was. And he was able to, it was also, it's back to the Paul Nacken story. It's back to a guy like Alfred who was able to embrace and uh, accept that he was the only guy there with Elvis that weekend. Mm -hmm. And there was the trust that they gave him. He was a fly on the wall. Pete Souza is another one who was Obama's photographer Mm -hmm. and basically said, I want to, he was also Reagan's photographer, so get mm-hmm. politics out of it. But he said, I want to capture the presidency as it happens and mm-hmm. in the moment. I want to be the fly on the wall. Yep. And Alfred was the fly on the wall for Elvis as he was exploding. But it was a fascinating three days, like you said, backstage, on stage, yep. in the car. In the hallway, on the train, the girl. kissing the girl. Yeah. There's a picture of Elvis on a black and white picture. Elvis is on a train with a uh, a phonograph on his knee, listening to one of the first acetates of Hound Dog. I mean, Incredible, j- just stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It's, it's knowing the moment and how to be that fly on the wall. Don't be intrusive. Just pick your moments and know how to do it. And you have to know. I've been lucky again. I've I've been in rooms that I shouldn't be. I've been in rooms that still make me pinch myself going, how did I get here? Part of it again, even in this day, is that trust. You know, with a lot of the clients I work with, there are some photos that will never see the light of day. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, taking a photograph, taking a video, because everyone has a camera now. There's a, And there's a lot of people looking for the quick payday. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. There have been times that, you know, the idea of paparazzi, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't mind a $30,000 payday tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. With that being said, screw paparazzi. Yeah. Yep. Normally yep. I'd use a bigger yeah. word. But, yep. <laughs> but, but the paparazzi, that's just wrong. Yeah, I agree. You'll get no argument here. We were talking earlier tonight with Monica Ng about Axios, about uh, basically how to survive in the kind of cold temperatures we've had in Chicago, how do you survive as a photographer in this kind of cold weather? You take out your phone, you're going to take the pictures. And again, we're talking primarily about using your phone to take pictures. Cold weather, phones, 
What do we need to know? So, so it's interesting. I I heard you talking to her one about the uh, hot tubs on the river, mm-hmm. which is one of the most surreal, crazy, mm-hmm. insane things I think I've seen. So, I'm doing a project this year called Project Three Six. Normally, it's Project Three Sixty Five. This year, with it being a leap year, Project Three Sixty Six. I'm forcing myself to take a photo every day. Okay. No matter what, I force myself to take something creative. Create no matter what. It's mm-hmm. kind of the idea. I want to take a picture. So I, I was walking down along the river recently and saw one of those hot tubs, and that was my picture of the day. So if you look at like January 6th, I think it is, or 7th, is a, a picture of the hot tub. So I'm. It, it's funny. I'm not as committed as some photographers because if it's eight degrees below zero, I'm staying inside. <laughs> Good man. Uh, last Sunday, I was out and uh, – went over to Montrose Beach because I wanted to see the steam Mm. rising off the lake. And I got out of my car and I left my camera in the car. I brought my phone. One, as I'm teaching these photo classes with the phones, I'm trying to shoot more with it. But the cameras really don't last long. The batteries and whatnot. When it's that cold, Mm -hmm. you have to... I know people who use the hand warmers Mm -hmm. in their camera bags to keep the batteries warm and whatnot. I kind of find it. It's funny. I walked out to Montrose Beach, and there, of course, was Barry Butler, oh, another yeah. one of Chicago's best right. photographers. Mm-hmm. Who I don't know how that man does it. I don't, I don't know how he. I don't know when he sleeps because he captures every epic Chicago sunrise mm-hmm. and sunset. Yeah, and he had already shared great sunrise pictures that day, and then he was out like a polar bear, photographing the sunset <laughs> mm-hmm. from Montrose Beach. He was also wrapped like an Eskimo in head yeah. to toe, yeah. you know, winter gear. I, I'm i not that committed. I walked out. I had my phone. I took about 10 shots. And I said, see you, Barry. <laughs> and I got back in my warm car. But, but uh, what, what do you need to do to make sure that your phone, that if it is eight below, and if you are out and you decide to use your phone, you, you uh, take your phone out of your pocket, And how do you make sure you, it's not going to be cloudy or impacted by the weather well, so what do you do? so when you if you're using a real camera you do want to protect it you don't want to change lenses for example make sure you do all your changing of lenses and all that in your car or before you go out because if you try and change that from your right. car to outside it will mess things up. um with your phone they're pretty much made to cover it and do pretty well you can snap a couple shots quickly if you're out there for hours, chances are it will the battery will deplete and whatnot. Yeah. But keep it warm. Keep it in your jacket. Pull it out. And it, it usually yeah. does pretty well. Uh, I'm looking at your website, willbyington.com. Now, you told me off the air that you have um, you, you've started a website for your classes primarily. <laughs> now, I'm not seeing that here at Will Byington. So you should see there should be a link on the in the, in the side panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there should be something that says Shot Club Photo Classes. Uh, oh, yeah. Third thing I, I down. Have that the other Shot day. Club Photo Classes. So, okay. and, and the uh, website that I just set up is... Uh, www.shotclubphotoclass, I believe, nice. dot com. All right. Uh, and so what those are is, is classes that I'm offering. Uh, I'll be doing some in person, but I'm also doing virtual ones. You did uh, one the other night. On Zoom. Yeah. And the idea is you can be anywhere. It's about a two-hour class. Usually we do a little over an hour of, of teaching and then Q&A. And mm-hmm. I'll stay on as long as people want. Now, do and, you do primarily like... A, 
We'll take all of you iPhone users this week, and next week we'll take all of you Android users. No, so for this for this run, uh, what I've done right now is pretty much everything in the class applies to both. And, and for the most part, iPhones and Androids and Samsungs and Galaxies and all that, they have some different features, but for the most part... It's an intro class. Here's what. Here's how to change your exposure and, and get mm-hmm. your focus in. Lock in your focus. Here's how to expose it right. Here's what time lapse does. What I'm often amazed at is how many people. There's so much fun things that your phone does, and it's right there in the app. Whether it's slow mo, time lapse, mm-hmm. cinematic video, video portrait mode. I'm looking as you are talking. Piano mode. And so what? So I've started this class, and there's like one or two things that kind of applies more to iPhone than Android. But for the most part, the class, what it does is I go through the basics of, of here's what slow-mo is, here's what portrait mode is. What is hyperlapse? So hyperlapse, and that's one of the unique things. So on the iPhone, hyperlapse is called time-lapse. So time-lapse, hyperlapse, but it's basically the same thing. What that is is when you want to capture a sunset, a sunrise. For example, here from the beautiful studios at WGN, if you were here uh, for sunrise, Mm -hmm. what you would do is is mount your camera, set it somewhere, and and basically you want to keep your camera still for the most part. Hyperlapse is another thing that you can do. Two things with it. But one is you want to capture a long period of time that becomes a short video. So what you would do mm -hmm. is like a sunrise, sunset, or beautiful clouds blowing through the sky Okay, is a good example. What you would do is set that camera, set your phone, and just set it and let it run for five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. And then what it'll do is it'll create like a 30-second video of that sunrise or of the clouds flying across the sky. And it's just a really cool thing. I've never uh, used that. It's a, it's a phenomenal thing, and it's great. Hyperlapse, real quick, and and that's why it's funny that like iPhone calls it time lapse, Android usually calls it hyperlapse. The other thing that a hyperlapse is is a walking video, and you can do a time lapse walking. Same thing, hyperlapse, and that's where you see someone like maybe walking, say from the WGN studios here, just off Michigan Avenue, down to the Hancock, and hmm. so you have a long walk that normally would take 10 minutes if you ever see the video or you could do your drive you do great pictures driving in Uh a hyperlapse might be you set your phone recording it driving down uh lakeshore drive do say do sable do sable do sable do sable do sable lakeshore (laughs) drive um but driving down lakeshore drive a hyperlapse might be that whole drive that all of a sudden makes a short video oh so so you can pick any duration of time to do the hyperlapse but then tell it i want now that we've done this from hollywood down to uh randolph Randolph, we want this compressed into a 30 second but you get to choose how the time that it will be compressed into. so not necessarily so built into so there are a ton of apps and there's some other fun toys uh i think last time we talked about the insta 360 cameras that i have Mm -hmm. Uh, gopros for example also do great versions of this and if you really want to get into it you also kind of for a hyperlapse for the walking or the driving, you kind of need a gimbal to keep it as steady, steady. as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, Jargon again, alert, gimbal. Again, they work great. Hyperlapses and time lapses work better if you, again, mount it and it's not moving. Is that what a gimbal um, does? It a mount- gimbal keeps it, yeah, keeps it steady. Oh, okay. But uh, 
with the built-in, for example, time lapse in the iPhone, you can't change it. You know, mm-hmm. it 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 reads it and says, "Here's how long you filmed. Here's how long the video is." Okay. You can then drop it in other apps. There's an app called Video Leap that I use. That mm-hmm. if I want to slow it down even more, I can. Or if I want to speed it up even more, oh, that's I can. Very cool. So there are apps for that. There there are apps for also doing hyperlapses and and time lapses, but. It's one of those silly, simple things, and I can't wait to see you try it. Because just, again, the clouds or a snowfall. I saw some incredible snowfall videos. Um, Someone did one in Nashville where they got more snow than they've ever seen Mm -hmm. this week, where they got like, they got more snow than I think we did. Yeah. And somebody literally mounted just their phone. Uh, They had taken my class, they mounted the phone, and literally just left it there for an hour as six inches of snow fell Mm -hmm. and it's great because what it is is all of a sudden you create a video that's 30 seconds of an hour Mm -hmm. of but 30 seconds of the snow piling up oh well i'm going to do that next week and so you can do stuff like that yeah fun really fun so hyperlapse time lapse it's that's one of the cool things i think well, next week we don't start till twelve thirty, so well, even it, more fun. Oh yeah, no cars on the road. So, so there may be an interesting uh, yeah. late night hyperlapse video. Uh, what do we want to say? From Hollywood down to, to Randolph? Randolph. Yeah. All right, that could happen. Yeah, and and we were talking off the air uh, with Will, and again, you need to check out his phonography class and go to shotclubphotoclass.com. That's shotclubphotoclass.com, and you get all the information. But we're talking with Will off the air. One of the problems is when your phone is updated, suddenly things become different. And And they don't tell you. Yeah. If you go deep down into the, here's some of the things included in the updates, but they don't tell you how to work these things in the the updates. So one of the things that I've learned doing these classes is I feel like people are scared of their phone. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we have it. We have it on us. You know, a, a brilliant photographer I know once said, and I, I've used it in my class, the best camera is the one you have with you. Mm-hmm. And nowadays we all have a camera on us at all times with our phones. But it's amazing to me. So one of the things, and I'm going to give the first lesson of my class away here for free. And so anybody who ever says you never get anything for free, <laughs> here's your free one. It amazes me, though. So on an Android you double click, but on an iPhone, from your lock screen, once you have it up, you can just swipe left. Mm-hmm. And literally, to get to your camera, you know, and, and the way I start the classes, I say, have you ever been where you've seen a celebrity or a kid, a dog, mm-hmm. uh, uh, someone doing something and you wanted to get to it, but you miss it because you're trying to get your camera open? There is that little button on there, but sometimes when you're nervous and right. stressed, you're trying to hit the little icon. Mm-hmm. But literally from the lock screen on an iPhone, you literally just swipe left and it opens and your, your camera. camera. Now, the, on an the, Android, the, on most Androids, what you do is just double tap the side button. Oh. And you can double tap your side button on the Android and it should open the camera. Now, that's only for the camera that doesn't impact the security of the rest no, of the so stuff. So that's, that's the, the other interesting thing. So you can, so like if, if, if I hand you my camera, my, my phone, you can swipe left on it. You can take pictures, mm-hmm. but you can't access anything in the phone. Uh, but you can take fun photos. So if you ever see a friend's phone sitting on the table, or whatever, uh-huh. you can get into yeah. their camera just by swiping left or double tapping on, the, on side. the side. Interesting. And so that's one of the fastest ways. I see so many people who miss 
moments mm-hmm. because yeah. they're struggling to get their camera or open. Or you're trying to find yep. your icon on your phone. And, it, and, and again, when you're nervous and trying to get it, or if you're cold, this yeah. is another good one in the cold. It's a great way to get into it if you have gloves on or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. So. so if you have a phone that's... Um, not the newest, because a lot of people, I mean, you, you spend $1,000 for a phone, you're going to keep it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You could still take the class because you have a camera on your phone. Yes. Right? Yes. So th- there's definitely a few things. The cinematic video uh, on the newer ones, on, on Androids and iPhones, um, some of the older iPhones and, and older phones don't have that necessarily. Mm-hmm. What that is is, is portrait mode, por- same thing as portrait mode on an iPhone and, and professional cameras on the Androids. That's where they do what's called bokeh, where it blurs out the background. Yeah, I love and, that. And does kind of that blurred. It, it's a professional look. And and again, what I love about it is with these new phones, sometimes you can't tell that they were taken with the phone. And that's mm-hmm. the idea. You used to have to pay all this money getting a, a 70 to 200 lens, 2.8 lens, uh, or getting a new lens. And you have to do that. But now with this, you can do amazing work. Um, but cinematic, some of it doesn't have that. But I try to keep the classes where it focuses on, you know, my buddy Zach was in my class the other night. He has an iPhone SE. Um, mm. So, yeah, it, I try to apply it. There are a few things. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes at the end of the class, people are like, I need to upgrade my phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get phone envy yeah. when you find out what other people can do with their but, phone. But most of the class on the shotclubphotoclass.com, uh, most of the classes will focus on, on just the basics. I get it. Focus. Uh, I see what you did there. And they will, I really do try to keep it. So all skill levels. Okay. I've had had professional photographers take my class. I've had people who just got their phone take Mm -hmm. my class. And I really do try to keep it where it's just focusing on the, 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 what's built in. Yeah. And just some of the really quick tips, tricks, techniques. Eventually I'm going to offer more in-depth classes editing mm-hmm. and video video oh, and editing and yeah. social media and all the different things like that uh but right now we're really trying to keep it focused mm-hmm. on <laughs> well, uh, steve um i showed you something just the other day you were taking you were holding your phone up and i said now tap that and tap something in the picture right. that you want to take and then underneath there was that little dot and a little slide and slide to the left and watch the lighting change yeah. because it was kind of washed out the way you see, were holding see, it up we, in the sun. we got to watch out because now we've given away two of my tips <laughs> of, from my class. Uh, no, that is, but that is one of the second things I do talk about is, is I'm amazed how many people don't, don't realize know. you can do that is yeah. tap in the screen. There's a square usually or circle, I think, on Android, square mm-hmm. on the iPhone. That's to focus so you can, you can direct where it's focused. And then on an iPhone, it's on the right side. It's a sunshine, okay. a little sun icon. It's on the right side. On Android, most Androids, I think it is at the bottom. Yeah. And it's a little thing. But literally, yeah. And so what's great about that is if you hold and lock it, it'll pop up with a thing that says AFAE lock. Mm-hmm. And that's autofocus and auto exposure lock. Once you have that locked in, you can play with that sun and or the dial, the button. Right. And uh, iPhone, again, up and down the right, right uh, below it on the, on the Android. And what's cool is once you get that locked in, that's a great way to get a better shot of the moon, mm-hmm. a better shot of a performer on stage mm-hmm. like we were talking about. If, if a performer's under the spotlight, yeah, what you can do is tap to focus on the performer, move that sun down 
for mm-hmm. example, to make it darker. Mm-hmm. But it's also just a great way to get more moody, uh, just yeah. really inner, like exciting shots that are different. And, and my goal, what I teach in my class and what I try to tell people, whether I'm helping them on the street or here tonight, I want you to create a shot that doesn't look like what everybody else is getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can really, using the focus and using portrait mode and using some of this, you can really create really cool photos, yeah. amazing photos with with what you've got. And let me recommend, too, try to find how you can turn your photos into black and white because sometimes pictures look so much better oh, yeah. in black and white. Yeah. And I'm finding like snow pictures because you got all that white. When you go black and white, now it's all these shades of gray. In fact, there's a Facebook page that I'm following now that I just uh, yeah. showed you, and it's nothing but black, black and, and white, white photography. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's timeless, whether it is rock and roll or snow. Black and white is amazing. What I what I teach is the beauty of all this is don't be afraid of your phone. Yes. Yeah. Seriously, just play. You can't really mess it up. You can't change anything. You can't. Mm-hmm. You, you're not gonna lose anything by just play or break it be creative and play and black and white is absolutely incredible and it'll change just the way you see some of your photos absolutely and it's built right in on both phones it's built right in Mm -hmm. that you can edit just under the edit tab there's a way to do it but also you were mentioning that some people don't know and immediately the thought pops in my head i don't care who you are listening to us right now you don't know how to use all the technology your phone has right yeah. now. Yeah. It's it, it's physically impossible. It's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, but it's just have fun with it, and that's yeah. the, the number one key: is you won't lose anything if you're driving. Well, if you're driving right now, don't pull it out. <laughs> but if you're if you're at home right now, if you're listening, photograph your your pet. Photograph. Mm-hmm. Put and it that's in portrait where, mode, and that's where again the create no matter what. What I really do, I love that tagline and that hashtag because it really is just have fun. Photograph, and that's where the Project 366 even forces me to, mm-hmm. to try to capture everything around us. There's always something to, to try yeah. to capture and play with it. Play with time lapse, play with hyperlapse, play with slow mo video, and just see what you can create. And you're going to get good I stuff. I want to answer a question people have. The class, two hour class, thirty nine ninety nine, and it's February 12th. I said the 12th and the 21st. Well, no, I didn't mean January. I mean February 12th and 21st. That's when Will comes back to dry land for a couple of days. And um, it's a virtual Zoom shot club phonography class, the 12th, $39.99, two hours, 7.30 in the evening, 21st. Same thing. You get all the details if you go to his page, shotclubphotoclass.com, or just follow him. We'll have the link up on our page, willbyington.com. Yeah, and it's at will, B-Y-I-N-G-T-O-N, willbyington.com, on Instagram, Twitter, all that. Uh, but the beauty of these, so I am going to do some in person over mm-hmm. the coming months. But these first two in February that will be done on Zoom, you can do it from – and I know y'all have people listening all over the country. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I love how y'all work that. So you can be anywhere. It's, you're at home. You're able to log into Zoom. And like I said, I also have a Facebook page that's up just for people who take the class. So if you have questions after it, oh, and I let people share, they share their successes, they share their questions, and it's it's really kind of coming along okay. pretty neat. Pl- and, and we'll have links on all of our yeah. pages. Yeah, and we'll get Will to, even if he just joins us by phone, to remind you all about the classes coming up in February. Why does the clock always go so I fast know. every time you go? We're out of Will time. Will you promise you'll come back sooner than later? As, as I said, <laughs> as long as you keep inviting me, I'll, I'll always be here. Thank 
Thank you, Will Byington. We'll be right back here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Okay, we always come in with a game plan, but we're always prepared to throw it out. Uh, we've thrown it out for about the next uh, seven minutes. Tom Appel, who is going to be joining us now, will join us in about seven minutes because we've had so many questions come in for Will Byington. Yes. Will was nice enough to hang out with us for a few more minutes, yes. so we'll see if we can answer a few more questions. So, can I take a photo from a video on my iPhone? You said yes. I answered yes to the texture, and then they wrote back and said, help. How? So you said you would be able to answer that. Yeah. So th- again, thanks for having me. Like I said, you're going to watch out what you wish for because I'll, I'll stay all night if you want to. <laughs> it's, it's such a blast being here with you. So first question on that. So iPhone, there's two cool things you can do on an iPhone, and I think you can do it with other ones. But one is when you're taking a video, I'm going to start there. When you're taking a video in the iPhone and you're filming, there's a little white button that shows up at the very bottom right of the screen. Oh, yeah. There's a little white button. So if you're filming a video, so even if you're sitting at home right now, start filming a video with your iPhone. That white button shows up. And what's cool is once you're filming your video and you hit that white button, that'll create snapshots <gasps> of what you're filming. It doesn't mess up the video at all. It doesn't oh. stop the video. It doesn't do anything. But it can take a picture while you're filming the video. And get snapshots of wow. what you're shooting. So that's and you kind can of a keep cool doing thing. that. You could just so keep you can do that. Snap, yep, snap, you can hit it. that. So the the easiest way, and there's there's a couple different ways to do this, but the easiest way to get a photo from a video is when you're playing back the video. So you're watching the video and you're playing it. Pause it. Mm-hmm. You can actually move it to where you want. So you can Each you can shot. actually so you can actually move it. And scroll at the bottom while you're watching that video. So you move, so you're playing it. You can pause it, and then if you just put your thumb on the video clip at the bottom, you can see it move clip by clip, little video. And then the easiest way is turn your phone to the to the right. So you're looking at it in a landscape orientation. When you're in the landscape orientation, click on the screen. All the stuff on the side and top and bottom will go away. So you've just got your video clip. Mm-hmm. And then what you can do on the iPhone is hit the power button that's on the on the right side, your big power button, and your top volume button. And now do a screenshot. And now do a screenshot. Oh. So that's probably the easiest way to take a picture from a video. To know what you're taking a picture of. Is, and that way you've got the video, you've already focused on the video, you've got the cool video. But if you want to take a photo out of that video, you can do a screenshot of it. And then you might need to go in and you can crop the top and bottom and crop right. it tighter and all that. But that's probably the easiest way to get a photo from a video. Very cool. Just do a screenshot. By the way, I, I, I have to acknowledge from a 773 uh, area code, I'm so happy I continued past my bedtime as I signed up for the phonography class, February 12th. Great time uh, listening to him. Interesting and great fun. Okay. So thank you. Here's a question. Landscape, you know, you talked about turning the phone. When you're doing a video, listener says, how do you recommend we hold the phone? Do we hold it the traditional way or do we turn it sideways? Um, So this gets me in trouble every time I answer this. I guess it depends on the age and interest of the lister. I know I'm not supposed to ask that. Um, there's differing opinions. Yeah. So if you're using the video, so I knew the other day with Buddy Guy, for example, I knew that video was mainly going to go on Instagram, Twitter, phone-based video. Mm-hmm. So I did shoot it vertically. 
Um, in this day and age with TikTok, Instagram, most people watching on Facebook, it is phone-based, so vertical is kind of the way now. Mm-hmm. But when you but, turn it sideways, it's going to cut that sides so, out. So, And I hate, let me say this, I've, I, you know, vertical is kind of the way if you're using it on TikTok and Instagram. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I see the world world horizontally. Mm. Yes. And and I kind of say for posterity, for the future, for everything, I gotta say shoot horizontally, shoot landscape, hmm. hold the camera sideways. That's what we're used to. If you think of TVs, mm-hmm. every TV is not a vertical TV, it's a horizontal TV. Right. So I think of video as horizontal. Um, also if you make if you're aware of what you're shooting and you shoot horizontally, you can usually kind of crop to where it is mm-hmm. vertical, Okay, depending on what you're shooting. Um, but it all depends. It, it, I'm 45. Anybody probably under 40, mm-hmm. <laughs> 30 will tell you, Will, you're crazy. Vertical video is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm going to jump in and say, uh, I think I sent you a mm-hmm. copy of a video just today. It was on Facebook. And I forget the guy's name. Uh, he does uh, some great Americana stuff, and he was doing this great video of an old Studebaker hawk. He was doing a road test, and at, at different points in the video, you can kind of see his reflection, and he's using the camera, and he's holding it vertically. Yeah. And it's, it's as good as anything you would see on TV, on a big screen or whatever. And oh, he's holding it horizontally. Landscape. I, I'm sorry. La- landscape. landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, yeah, it makes such a difference. Landscape. It. I. I feel like that's better. And if if you're putting it on YouTube, if you're putting it on Facebook, landscape is kind of better. But well, it, it's it's such a different thing. I guess at the same time, I'll say just as long as you're creating and capturing. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And yeah. it's not your place as the viewer to go on there and make a comment like, well, why are you doing it that way? <laughs> yeah. well, because I'm the artiste. That's the way I want to do it. I think you had another question. Was there yes, was another uh, one? Yes, kids came? taking pictures of children. So, you and you hit it on the head. We, we talked about this off the air. If you're photographing kids, pets, uh, whatever it is, one of the biggest pieces of advice is get down on their level. Mm-hmm. Get down, you know, so if you're if you're photographing your dog, lay on the ground with your dog. World of difference. If you're photographing a kid, see the world at their angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really will change everything. And it's, it's fascinating to see that. Get down on their level, get in their face, go close, go far, mm-hmm. go near, you know, like really change it up. Um, the kids nowadays are so used to cameras, unlike yes. we were as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really neat to see it on their level. Yeah. And the same thing for a dog, you know, a pet. But kids, portrait mode also is fun for kids. Yes. To play with the way that looks. Um, but really also on, on an iPhone, for example, when you're shooting, you can also hold, like take the shutter button and swipe left. And what they'll do on the iPhone, they'll do a burst mode. And so when you're when you're shooting with the iPhone and you've got the white shutter button at the bottom in photo, if you just press the shutter and swipe left, it'll do a burst mode. So like right there, I just took 10 photos. Oh. And so burst mode is great for kids and dogs, pets, families. Um, if your kid's running, the mm-hmm. burst mode, all of a sudden you'll take, you will end up with 100 shots on your phone. Mm-hmm. It goes quick. But that's a great way if, if your kid's jumping, mm-hmm. if your kid's doing something active 
and really moving burst mode is a great way oh, that's cool. to capture that movement, that action, that excitement. All right, we've just scratched the surface yeah. from Will's class. And again, that's shot club photoclass.com we'll have a link on our page too specifically that will take you to those two classes coming up in february when are you going to be back in chicago uh so i'm back i'm back uh, i leave wednesday i'm back february 10th i'm here pretty much all of february uh and then i travel off and on in come March. by february 10th all right come uh, on i think i get back that oh, night. do you? So okay. I, well, I we'll work something out all right we'll, we'll okay. work something out to remind people about your class even <laughs> if we you. have to do a phone call thank okay you. all you. right thank you will this has been so much fun. My goodness, time goes by fast, wow. too. Now I'm excited because I want to take some more pictures. I know, I know. <laughs> we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk cars with Tom Appel. Stay with us at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Our thanks to Will Byington for uh, sticking around for a few minutes. And we pretty much decided that uh, Will is going to be joining us uh, about once a month. Mm-hmm. Because, and this happened years and years ago with Will Crockett. Yep. When uh, some people had said, oh, you're going to talk about taking pictures on the radio? How's that going to work? Phones go nuts. People love it. We have fun. Yeah. You have fun. And, and more so now than back in the day with Will Crockett. Yeah. Everybody's got a camera in their pocket. Yeah. Everybody. And our thanks to uh, to Tom Appel for being nice enough yes. to understand that uh, we were going to go a little bit over. And Tom Appel is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and we're going to talk with him about a whole bunch of things. But uh, while we're talking with Tom, you'll be hearing Tom's tunes. Yes, and Tom? And, and, and Tom, what is the theme tonight? Tonight's theme is Rhythm Forward. Rhythm, rhythm forward. forward. And that... And I, I made that up, basically, but it's just music that opens with percussion and kind of stays percussion-heavy throughout the song. Okay. Okay. Rhythm Forward. I love the song that we started with. That it sounds was like that should be a group name. Rhythm Forward, yeah. Yeah. yeah a jazz group, yeah. So what did we start out with? That was My Little Suede Shoes by Charlie Parker. Not a very typical Charlie Parker tune, but I really like it, and I just stumbled mm-hmm. across it this week, and I thought, that's a good Steve and Johnny song. That's a happy little tune. I like that. And for anybody who wonders, well, if you're talking cars, why are you playing this stuff? This is because these are some of the things that Tom uses to test the sound systems on the cars that he's testing. Yes, and, and also test his desire to drive fast or slow, because the music will do that to you. But we want to start I, I off. A buddy who who always claimed that if he, if uh, Sultans of Swing came on, he was going to get a ticket. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some songs, and in my case, oh, one of them would be uh, "Breathless" by Jerry Lee Lewis. Sure. I don't, I don't know what it is, but somehow the the technology is in place where, particularly if you have a digital audio and it's syncing up with your car's speedometer, it adds about ten, maybe fifteen miles uh, per hour. But the police to the don't believe that when you tell them. You say, "Seriously, it, it, officer, it's, it, it's a technological glitch." Uh, we are going to talk tonight about something that was uh, in the headlines last week. It was big a big news. deal on Channel Thirty Two. Tesla's winter charging apocalypse. You want to explain this, Tom? 
I do, and and the funny thing is that the, I don't know that the entire situation has exactly been nailed down into an easily packaged event. But what happened was, and what Fox Thirty Two reported, and then Fox Thirty Two reported what they saw. There was nothing about the reporting itself that was flawed or inaccurate. It's just very very light reporting. But at a couple of charging stations in the Chicago area, Tesla supercharger stations. Uh, vehicles were backed up because there were cars that could not be charged or were charging so slowly, the owners did not know they were being charged. And, and the backup caused a mess. People were abandoning their cars. And, and it was very bad news for Tesla and kind of bad news for EVs in general, because mm-hmm. a lot of anti-EV media got a hold of this and decided that the world isn't ready for EVs. Hmm. And you point out in a terrific blog that you you wrote to address this story that EVs are used in Canada. They're used in Sweden. They're used in countries that this kind of weather is typical. Right, yes. Tom? That's exactly the case. Yeah, places where it gets colder than even Chicago was last week, and they're running fine. Tesla has been a pioneer in providing EVs in those nations and in those countries and up in northern Minnesota, for example. And the vehicles run fine up there. There's just things that need to happen that didn't happen in this case. And unfortunately, I think people didn't understand what happened. And I think there's a lot of new Tesla owners that have come online in the last couple of years probably don't know everything about their car they need to know. That's important. And one of the things that you pointed out is O'Hare Airport played a role in this, didn't it? Yeah. um, If you watch the Fox News piece, you learn that a lot of the people there were just fresh from O'Hare. And what likely happened to those folks is that they parked their cars, went away on business or went away on vacation, came back and found that their batteries had been depleted further than they normally would. A Tesla just parked overnight usually loses about 1% of its battery charge, which is not really something you worry about. But if you use the Tesla security system, the one with the cameras on it, we've seen some of these on social media, where the camera catches people attempting to vandalize or, or, or steal the car, uh, it's a wonderful system, and it alerts you remotely to any sort of danger to your car, any threat to your car, it has an enormous impact on your battery, as much as 15% a day. And you compound that with the incredible cold, which could drain the battery a further third, and you had people landing at O'Hare, getting into their Teslas, and needing to charge immediately. Mm -hmm. The situation was dire. So you have people who don't understand that that part of the system, that part of the car, can deplete your battery. Mm -hmm. And you have people who are new to the EV and apparently don't understand and and you go into great detail and boy this was a learning experience for me all about how the the car gets is it preconditioned yep that's the term yeah there's two things that the precondition is used for two different things and they're very different one is a thing you can do with any electric vehicle at all and that's to have the air conditioning or the heater work while it's still plugged in in your garage that's preconditioning and it really has to do with climate so that way you're not taxing your battery to heat your car. You're actually just doing that in your home's electric uh, system. So that's great. But preconditioning also describes a situation where the battery is heated up to a temperature that makes it easier to charge. And, and it's a great system. And if you drive in your Tesla and you use your Tesla's in-car navigation system to look for a charging station, and you find that there's a charging station with a charger open and you agree to, you know, to reserve it, your car will begin preconditioning the battery for a charge. Hmm. And 
that means that when you get there, your car will be the perfect temperature, your battery will be the perfect temperature to be charged, which is great. Now, in the summer, this doesn't matter very much anyway. But the cooler it gets, the more it's important to precondition the battery because you will charge more quickly. And I think what happened on the, on the day in question was that the batteries were so cold, especially the ones from O'Hare because they had been parked for a week. They were so cold that the charge, when you plugged into the charger, the charger had to literally supply the energy to preheat the battery, and that just took forever. Mm-hmm. And people actually believed their cars were not charging at all, which is technically correct because they were still trying to bring the battery up to operating temperature. That kind of explains one story that I saw last week that was attempting to address what happened. And I don't remember what network did this story. But the bottom line was they kept saying people don't realize that that battery is warming up the interior of their car. Yeah, And I thought, well, why wouldn't you understand that? And why is that a problem? So that was right, but it was not really telling the whole story, correct? That's correct. And Johnny, you bring up a point that I did not cover in my piece, and that's that if you're sitting there at the uh, charger idling and you're trying to heat the car, that's more energy that's not going to the battery or Mm -hmm. warming the battery. Mm -hmm. And it isn't part of the problem, because there are so many factors that go into this, but isn't to a large degree part of the problem that so many people who have jumped on the EV bandwagon now have these EV vehicles that they're operating with an internal combustion engine mindset. Yep. And they're expecting, oh, the car's been sitting fine. I get here, I'll uh, start it, let, let, let it run for 30 seconds, and then I can just pull away. No, there's a whole lot more that goes into when you have an EV. Well, when you buy a car, do you get classes do you no do sale why why aren't people being trained because in in most cases in tom correct me if i'm wrong on this uh but i know that the uh, the vehicle that that we recently purchased and no it's it's not an ev but with the salesperson we spent oh maybe uh 45 minutes saying okay here's the the stuff now go home and learn it and i think it's pretty much the same with evs that uh you have a little bit of time spent with the salesperson and then uh, fine give me your money and goodbye yeah and that's the problem with tesla too tesla does not operate with a dealer network you have to go some distance to pick up your car and the person at the dealership isn't a salesperson Mm -hmm. and and they're going to deliver your vehicle but they're not going to give you a walk around now there are videos available from tesla and people should probably spend a couple of hours watching those videos they can be from tesla or just tesla roddy just people who love teslas but those videos would be very helpful in these cases but also as you pointed out in uh we were communicating back and forth this week Tesla does not have the best PR people standing by to answer your questions. They have no PR people. <laughs> One of the things that you hear whenever there's Tesla news and you're listening to the news and they're like, uh, request, request for comment from Tesla were not returned because mm-hmm. there's that no will, one paid to return those calls. That will also explain why I've never seen a dealership anywhere. Now it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I guess I had never thought yeah. of that either because I honestly, I foolishly thought that when you pay that kind of money for a vehicle that is so new to us, that they say, okay, now come back n- next week and well, take the, your class. The closest thing to a dealership that I've ever seen on the north side, and again, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, was the uh, in Old Orchard. 
the old Orchard Shopping Mall. For a while, they I had a, a, a yeah. Tesla. It was more like a Tesla showroom. showroom. Yeah. It should be walking by, but that's the closest thing I've ever seen to a dealership. But There's, there was one outside of the loop off of Kennedy, and I can't remember where it was, because I picked up a Model X there to test drive. I was given like 90 minutes oh, wow. <laughs> to, to drive this car. I was very impressed by it, by the way, but uh, I don't even know if that's still there. I'd have to look where that location was, but there was mm-hmm. one in Chicago proper. Well, we're talking with Tom Appel. He's our car guy, and we got questions coming in for Tom, and you can text us at 312-981-7200, and we'll come back with Tom here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. We're talking with Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and you're digging some of Tom's tunes and uh, Tom, who is this and what is it? I love it. That's the Riptone, Chicago alternative rock or alternative country band, the Riptones. Sadly, they disbanded last uh, last decade or so, and it's a shame. They were on Bloodshot Records. I guess they were a blast to see live, and uh, they they had a couple of great albums. I love them so much. And they absorbed uh, more than a little bit uh, from Dwayne Eddy and the Ventures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some good stuff. And that was that was Buckshot by the Buckshot, Rip, yeah. by the Riptones. Talking to Tom Appel, and we're going to move on from EVs because people have other questions, like uh, about winter tires and whether or not they should invest in those. But Tom, a listener wants to know the EV charging stations. Who is responsible for digging them out of snow like we had last week? Fantastic question, and the answer is who knows. Um, <laughs> it is the operators that are supposed to be digging those out. So the operator EVgo or ChargePoint or Tesla, in the case of the superchargers, should be contracting with local vendors to clean out those lots so they're accessible. And as we saw in the case of the Tesla um, lot that was shown on, on Fox 32, it didn't look like it was very well cleaned out. And, in fact, I think a couple of the chargers were not accessible because of piles of snow. That's just crazy. Because you can go into just about any gas station, and they will have plowed their their lot. You'll be able to get to the gas pump. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Listener at 847 Area Code said in Oakbrook Mall, there had been a Tesla showroom. Not sure if it's still there, but again, they're not on every corner. They're not up and down Western Avenue. I I think that was a a similar thing to what we saw at the Old Orchard Orchard Mall. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I remember that place. Uh, let's jump to a phone call. Uh, Bill is in Chicago. And, uh, Bill, you had a question? Yeah, I got a question. This With the EV cars, you know, a combustible engine, the old, the old days you had a generator that kept your battery mostly charged. Now you have the alternators that keep your battery charged. Why can't Tesla put a lightweight generators on each wheel they would turn and keep the battery charged while you're in motion, or while you're, you know, while you're in motion. Remember the old, remember the old generator you just put on the side of your bicycle tire and couldn't mm-hmm. your lights would work. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't Tesla do the same same thing? I don't get it. They spend enough money. Why don't they build a, a develop a generator, keep some power going back in the battery when you're going down the road? That's a darn good idea. From from my point of view, what do you think, Tom? Um, actually. Electric cars basically do do that. It's a great idea, and it's being utilized. What what what's being suggested is almost 
perpetual motion. You couldn't possibly generate enough energy to always keep the vehicle running. You would eventually run out. And what happens on an electric vehicle is that you end up recharging the battery anytime the vehicle slows or cruises. So when you're not using the power to get up to speed or maintain speed, the motor is actually being turned backwards by the momentum of the vehicle or by the application of the brakes. That's regenerative uh, energy that goes back to the battery. So that is being used, and it's part of the reason that electric vehicles have the range that they do have, is that Mm. the, the energy is actually being very carefully monitored. But if you were to apply a generator at all speeds, you would just be using up the energy that you're using to keep the car running. Does an electric vehicle do better in traffic versus on the highway? That is a great question. And if you look at the EPA numbers for a lot of vehicles, now now for electric vehicles, you can get a range estimate for city and for highway, which is nice, like you can for gasoline-powered vehicles. Mm-hmm. And you see that the energy consumption is actually lower in the city. So to your point, Johnny, yes, they're actually better in the city. It's the opposite of internal combustion engines. Hmm. Because I was thinking about, as you talked about regenerative, uh, the regenerative braking works better when you're in traffic versus when you're Mm -hmm. just driving along and have no need to put your foot on the brake. That's right. And if you're if you're on the highway and you're descending, if you're coming down a hill or something like that, in most cases, the, the end, you will actually be generating power to recharge the battery. It's just not something that happens as often as hitting the brakes in the city. Okay, last week you joined us for a an extra Tom visit, uh-huh. and we were talking about winter driving, and uh, we talked about you know, de-icing, and uh, in our case, we talked about using a trickle charge if you're concerned about your car's yes. battery dying in extremely cold temperatures. And honestly, we learned something. It's funny you should say this, because I was just going to uh, bring this up, too. Uh, I had posted in one of the the groups on Facebook about using a trickle charger, and somebody jumped in and said, you don't want to use the term trickle charger. It's like a a battery Battery manager. Maintainer. Maintainer. Yes. There there is a difference in how they work. A trickle charge is different than a battery maintainer. I think the difference primarily is just the the quality of the device. A trickle charger is just always supplying a very low rate of voltage to the battery, and I think that 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 term is being used universally, whether we're talking about that vehicle or not. But a battery maintainer will actually sort of know the the condition of the battery, let it drop a little bit, and then bring it back up to a full charge. And I think that is primarily the difference. But they are different devices, though. You can buy a a device that is specifically called a battery maintainer. I looked it up after this person, who was actually very polite when they said, by the way, you need to know that what you're dealing with, because we had a picture of it, that's actually maintaining your battery versus being a constant trickle charge. And I went, well... That's news yeah, to me. And I think the maintainers are just a little bit more expensive and generally yeah. come from better better manufacturers or recognizable brands. What's funny is I've been to a couple of places where they store classic and, and high end vehicles and, and they're not driven very often. And you'll find you'll find that Aston Martin and Jaguar and Mercedes Benz for their premium vehicles have these chargers mm-hmm. and they all look exactly the same but they have different brands on them. They say Jaguar or Mercedes. Oh. <laughs> but they're the same devices and basically everyone uses them. In those, in those scenarios. Okay, I, I just found the specific post. Uh, the person responded to my post saying, please do not suggest that people buy trickle chargers. What you have is a maintenance charger. Trickle chargers will boil out electrolyte over time. 
That sounds scary. And maintenance charges will not. It sounds like something, I, I, you know, my diet, I want to boil out my electrolytes. <laughs> I, I remember my father specifically keeping a 12-volt battery on a shelf in the garage that was just always on a trickle charger. Uh-huh. And I do not recall the problem described. However, I can see why that would happen if it was overcharged over time. And, and, and you, would want, you wouldn't just want to forever leave a vehicle on a charger. You'd want to monitor that. And and that's the the situation we were talking about. Mm-hmm. If, for example, if we're gone to Florida for a while, we will put a maintenance charger on our cars here, and that may be a month, two months, whatever. So, in that scenario, you do not want a trickle charger; you want a specific maintenance charger. Yeah, you do. And then the thing is, I don't know that people people may realize this, but now but modern vehicles draw on the battery pretty heavily even when yes. the vehicle is off. There's a computer being maintained. There's clocks and different things. So you will, after a couple of weeks, end up with a dead battery. So it's nice to do something like that so you don't have to deal with it when you return. And we're also finding, too, that with our car, we have an app. And if you decide while you're on your vacation that you want to check your app, that can affect your battery sure. being depleted because now you're looking into to see well what's it look like kind of like what you said with tesla if people are using the feature on their vehicle uh, that's draining their battery and they don't know it and they come and, back from vacation and, and, and their going, dead. going back to our first part of the conversation if somebody flew out of o'hare they leave their tesla park there they're out in las vegas they want to check on their tesla so they're using yep. this device to check on their tesla running down the battery even more and then they get home and oops but problem. it's not just on electric vehicles it's cars yeah. that are chock full of all kinds of technology uh tom we've got a question that came in about uh, snow tires we're going to take a break come back and talk to you about whether or not you think that's something that people should be investing in here in chicago tom appell is with us here on wgn Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That's one of my favorite songs. Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, is joining us. We're talking about cars, and we're digging some of Tom's tunes. And, uh, Tom, you want to explain who that was and what it was? Yeah, that is Zoot Sims live back in 1961 playing Tangerine, which is a fun tune. Yeah, I... I always liked Zoot Sims for a number of reasons. A, he was so creative. B, his name. <laughs> was anyone else ever named Zoot? I no, it's a it's a great name and it's a great jazz name. And and, and what mood was his mom in when he said <laughs> when she said I'm going to name my boy Zoot? It was the same <laughs> mood that Boss Gags's mom was in when she looked at her baby and said I'm going to name my baby Boss. <laughs> Um, I just realized, because I was thinking, I know Zoot Sims. I did work with Zoot Sims for a couple of weeks here in Chicago. Really? Yes, he played every night at Rick's Cafe Americaine in the Holiday Inn, and I was a waitress there. And he was delightful, and I even quickly looked him up to see if it was the same guy I was thinking of. And sure enough, it was the same guy, and and we would have supper together. He would eat with all the waitresses every evening at 4 and then we would open up at about 4.30 or 5, and he would hang out, and then he'd take to the stage about 7 and do two shows. And um, he wasn't a kid when he did that, because that was in the 70s. And 
That's going to be one of the chapters uh, in the the second book that we're working on. Uh, some of the people that Johnny worked with when you, you yeah. were a waitress. And, you know, we didn't have Google then, so I didn't really understand who Clark Terry was and Red Norvo and Zoot Sims and all these guys that were, if you knew your music, you were like, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, he's a nice old guy. <laughs> he plays how, a great xylophone. The, if you recall, how big was the group that Zoot had? when he was working oh there. maybe a trio yeah most of the guys only had a so trio. sax yeah bass drums uh, uh, yeah uh, yeah i think it would be bass and drums with sax and small stage very intimate room mm-hmm. so no matter where you were sitting you're going to hear the acoustics were fabulous people loved playing the room because of that oh it's so cool but i digress that was my it's, life. It's your show. You can digress. <laughs> okay, thank you. And it's National Disc Jockey. Actually, no, we have just segued yes. out of National Disc Jockey Day. Oh, it was fun while oh, it lasted. It was, yes. <laughs> um, a listener says, Tom, I live out in the country, and I'm snow plowing, uh, oh, and snow plowing isn't the best, so I need a car or SUV with four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive preferred. What, from your experience... Would you recommend, and is there anything you would say, hey, buddy, avoid this vehicle? And I'm going to jump in and say, before you answer this, can you explain a little bit the difference, and there is a difference, between four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive? Yeah, let's do that part first. So we know there's front-wheel drive, we know there's rear-wheel drive, and typically it's so many cars in the Chicago area, especially crossovers, come with all-wheel drive. And all-wheel drive is a system that defaults typically to all to front-wheel drive, but we'll send power, we'll send torque to the rear axle as it's determined that power or torque to the rear drive is needed for traction. These systems aren't always that sophisticated, but will get you through snow and can help a little bit in cornering. That's all-wheel drive. And usually there aren't additional controls you have. You can't lock axles. You can't decide what the torque distribution is, things like that. Four-wheel drive is typically what you find on pickup trucks or uh, larger SUVs, something like a Tahoe or an Expedition um, or a Jeep Grand Cher- or Grand Wagoneer, something like that. And it's a very different system because it usually incorporates something called a transfer case. And, and power gets distributed more or less evenly to the axles, but the transfer case can also go to low mode which gets you additional gear reduction, so there's more torque being distributed and can help you out of really tough situations. But that's really kind of a serious truck thing. Mm -hmm. And if someone is in a rural situation with roads that are less than perfect and and they aren't usually being plowed, you might want to actually consider getting something like a real truck, like a mid-sized pickup truck or a full-size pickup truck or something like a Chevrolet Tahoe or something like a Jeep Grand Cherokee, for example, which has a very sophisticated all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive system. Mm-hmm. The uh, the vehicle that we just uh, got about a year or so ago, it has an all-wheel drive system, but it's biased to the rear wheels. So the, uh, the rear wheels are basically uh, the dominant wheels in that uh-huh. uh, configuration. And uh, it also has, as a lot of cars do these days, uh, something they just call snow mode. And yeah, snow mode is interesting. Define interesting. Well, you're essentially telling the vehicle what the vehicle will eventually learn itself. The all-wheel drive system is usually sophisticated enough to distribute torque as it sees necessary under given circumstances because the system does monitor wheel spin at each corner of the vehicle. So 
you can tell a vehicle, and this maybe will limit the range of what it's doing and determining what it needs to do, but there's usually like a snow mode and a loose dirt mode and, and then a, like a sport mode and things like that. Generally, it's that's a placebo. I hate to say that out loud, uh, but the vehicle will determine by itself ultimately how, how best to handle the conditions. It just makes you feel better knowing that you've done it, something. It, it does. It does make you feel better. And it's good to start out, too, right? You can help the vehicle make a decision. All right. We got a, a great questions coming in for Tom. We're going to get to the question about minivans coming up in just a moment. But first, our buddy, Taxi Cab yeah. Bob, is on the line. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. How are you doing? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Great, great, great. Thank you. You got a question for yeah, Tom? I wish I could bring you something to eat over there. I know you <laughs> said you were hungry and you're chewing on the furniture. <laughs> That's I, right. I wish I could help, but I'm not down in the downtown area right now. That's very sweet. Anyways, um, I was wondering, um, does, does, does Tom get to drive any concept vehicles? And I saw an interesting concept vehicle. I don't know if they're actually making them for the public, but it was an Audi... Uh, Actus, active sphere. Have you heard about that vehicle, Tom? I've seen pictures. Uh, access to, to concept cars, usually not. Journalists don't usually get to drive concept cars simply because they're not entirely safe and <laughs> there's all sorts of liability there. I have driven like hydrogen powered vehicles, though, and that was very interesting, but it's been a while. Oh, you, speaking of that hydrogen, that's one of the, our favorite experiences. I will never forget that. It, it was a Buick. Uh, it was a big sedan. Buick LeSabre. And it had the hydrogen tank in the trunk. And, and we parked. Uh, it, it, it was in a parking lot. When we picked it up, it was in a parking lot across from the Tribune Tower. So we had to go into the parking lot and. One of the people who was delivering the car was showing it to us and popped open the trunk where you see this big canister in the trunk. And they were watching on security and they had no idea what we were looking at. And I, honestly, it looked like a bomb was in the, yeah. the trunk of the car. And so here are these three people hovered around the trunk of the vehicle looking very suspicious. And next thing you know, we are surrounded by security. And then we had to explain to them what it was. But I thought, eh. Yeah, think, that was a moment. That's the last hydrogen vehicle I want to be driving. But it was actually, as I recall, it was a it was an it was a great car. It yeah. was an interesting car to drive, too. But that just never took off. You had, that, do you remember that time? This would have been roughly uh, late eighties, early nineties, when uh, Tom Beeman was still involved with uh, uh, handling some of the General Motors products. I'm still in regular contact with Tom Beeman. I don't remember that that particular vehicle, and I need to ask: Was that hydrogen internal combustion, or would it, it seems like it would have been too soon for fuel cell? Well, all we know is it had a big a big canister in the trunk. Like, you yeah. had no trunk space in this big LeSabre sedan. And that is a problem with hydrogen, is that it needs to be stored under incredibly high pressure. So it must be in these bulky tubular tanks. You can't put it in something as easy as a gas tank that can be molded to the shape of the car. It's one of the big limitations of hydrogen. So really, it is like you're driving around with a bomb in the trunk of your yeah. car. Right? <laughs> now they tell us. Yes. <laughs> hey, Tom, be careful. Uh, Bob, taxi cab driver Bob, be careful out there. Uh, Tom is with us on the phone. And Tom, um, a listener says, 847 says, uh, looking at Tom's website, do you still believe the best minivan is the Pacifica, or is there one that you like better now? Here's the thing about the minivans. There's only a few of them, and they're all really good. 
So the, uh, just a real quick rundown, the Sienna, the Toyota Sienna, is available uh, only in hybrid form, and it's available with all-wheel drive. Not as nice inside as the Pacifica, but a good vehicle. And then there's the Kia Carnival, which is just over the top in terms of design and luxury. It's a very nice vehicle. Not quite as refined as the other vehicles, not quite as functionally inside. But if you're like a single dad with kids, that's your car. It's a cool car you can go on dates with. Did you call uh, that a Carnival? Yeah. It's the Kia Carnival. Yep. Mm-hmm. They were drinking when they came up with that. <laughs> That's just silly. I mean, if a guy says, I'll be picking you up in my carnival, I'd go, bah! good. But one of the favorite vehicles that we've tested over the past 10 years was that Pacifica Hybrid. Oh, what a great that car. Vehicle. Loved it. Yeah. It, 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 here's the fun thing about the Pacifica Hybrid. It qualifies for the $7,500 tax credit. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the only. It's one of the few plug-in hybrids that qualify for the full amount. So, whatever you see as the price, you're not getting seventy five hundred bucks off of that. So, yeah. it's kind of a deal. Yeah, that that was one of those vehicles that we fell in love with it from the very first day we were oh, test driving. Absolutely. It. And our very first question that came in tonight was about uh, snow tires, winter driving snow tires. Tom, we're going to keep you for just a few minutes so we can answer a few more questions here. Our Car Guy Tom Appel is with us on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. We're talking with Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And we're digging some of Tom's tunes. Uh, you want to explain this one to us, Tom? That is Dave Brubeck and his guys playing Caravan live back in, I think, 1965. The song came off a collection. I'm not entirely sure when it was recorded. I love it. Absolutely love it. You should check out ConsumerGuide.com. And one of the things I want to ask you before we uh, uh, let you get on with your weekend, uh, interesting story about Hertz selling 20,000 EVs. Yeah. You want to explain that one to us a little bit? Yeah, rental company Hertz experimented and purchased, I think it was 60,000 or 80,000 EVs, and they were all Teslas, uh, for use in their rental fleet. And I guess it didn't go as bad as it could have, but there was a one piece of bad news, and it's worth noting. And anyone thinking about going EV and anyone thinking about a Tesla should know this. They found the cost of maintenance to be extraordinarily high. And by maintenance, they don't mean regular maintenance. They mean collision repair. Uh, the vehicles turned out to be incredibly expensive for them to operate in a, in a rental fleet. And they've decided to pare their fleet down by about a third uh, and go back to some internal combustion engines to replace those. Uh, any theory on why it would be so expensive? Yeah, part of the interesting thing about Teslas, and especially the Model 3 and the Model Y, uh, there's something called a gigapress, and it's a really interesting piece of manufacturing technology, but especially at the rear end of the Model 3 and the Model Y, all these pieces that other manufacturers put together from different separate pieces and bolt together at the factory, Tesla makes a single, very complicated structural piece that is lighter and less expensive to manufacture once you've paid for this huge gigapress. Uh, and it makes for a more rigid vehicle, and, and it's, it's good for a bunch of reasons. But if you get rear-ended uh, to any significant degree, the car may be a total. And I think that's oh. what's happening in these cases. Wow. Because, uh, the, okay, see if my pea-sized brain is following this. If you have this one piece, and a portion of that piece has been hit damaged then you have to what 
cut into that piece and try to manufacture something that you would then try to attach to that piece to make it whole again? Or just replace the whole piece. That's why they uh, yeah. That's what you would think would happen, but I believe that the piece is not actually reparable because it was it was molded as a single piece. You can't replace or or, or weld on a piece. So the answer in a lot of cases is simply total of the vehicle. Wow. Yeah, what I was describing was kind of a, a Rube Goldberg uh, yeah, approach patch, to, yeah. okay, if you're going to patch this thing, uh, some yeah. duct tape and... Uh, <laughs> yes. but, but the point but that is, seems like the logical way to go, and, and but it doesn't work, unfortunately. It's the downside of, of the giga casting, the giga press. Well, the, and speaking of rental fleets, what was the story? Uh, and I sent you a copy of this earlier. A, a company that I'm not all that familiar with, but it's a European rental company that I guess has some uh, uh, outlets in the U.S., but it's largely European, and they have decided to go with. Uh, what, General Motors? No, Stellantis. Stellantis. And uh, some of their vehicles, uh, EVs and otherwise. So explain that to us. Yeah, the company is Sixt, S-I-X-T. It's not an easy thing to pronounce, and I'm not even sure I just pronounced it correctly. Uh, kind of an upstart rental company, but one of the things that they, they feature is is premium vehicles. So I think what this deal is is that we're going to be seeing things like the new electric high-performance Dodge products that are going to, we're going to see more of in the next year, that kind of product. And, of course, Stellantis also includes Maserati, and it includes Alfa Romeo. And that would be, if you're looking to rent an upscale car, those would be great cars to rent. Better cars to rent than to own. And, and <laughs> that, would work, Ooh, that there, would work very well for six. There's the review. Better cars to rent than to own. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's the blurb, right? Yeah. Um, I said at, at the outset that we had a question from a listener, and I do not want to let you get out of here before we ask his question, because it's a good one. He says, I uh-huh. drive a Subaru. Doesn't tell us what make of Subaru. He says, at what point should I be thinking about getting winter tires slash snow tires? Yeah, so Subarus have excellent all-wheel drive systems. Every Subaru sold in the U.S., except for the BRZ, little sports coupe, comes with an excellent all-wheel drive system. So they're great in the winter. And they all come with uh, either all-season tires, except the WRX, which has high-performance tires, uh, um, and, and they're perfect for the snow. However, if you want to commit to going with snow tires, you can. I tend to discourage people from doing this simply because they're expensive. When we think of snow tires, we think about the tires that our dads used to slap onto the back of the cars for heavy snow, mm-hmm. and they were hard rubber things with huge, huge treads. That's not what snow tires anymore. Snow tires are sophisticated and expensive, uh, like the Bridgestone um, Oh, I can't think of the name of the tire right now, but it's an excellent snow tire. But they're expensive, and they wear quickly, so you have to replace them as soon as the roads clear up. Uh, and it involves having another set of wheels, another set of tires. You have to find some place to store them. Um, so it's, it's a difficult thing to do, and you have to want to do it and have the money. Most people are going to be just fine, especially with a Subaru, with the tires that are on the car. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad we got that question. And finally, an 847 area code says, could you take a moment and just explain what advanced four-wheel drive is? Uh, that's probably some branding, but mm. advanced four-wheel drive can be very simple. There's there's a system where there's just what they call three open 
differentials where power just kind of goes between the four wheels and generally gets the job done. Advanced means that there's clutching, there's a redirection of power, there's probably some torque vectoring that goes on, which means that the tires move, tires, uh, the torque, I'm sorry, is moved from side to side of the car. I think the first system that people might remember that was really high tech was Audi's Quattro system. Mm-hmm. And the Quattro system was tech enough that it worked on dry weather too. It would actually apply torque to the wheel that needed it most, and it actually helped with handling. That's not usually the case if you have something like a, I'm just picking a car randomly, a Chevrolet Traverse, for example. Very typical system that's going to work, and it's going to get you some traction. Not going to really help with dry weather handling. What have you uh, road tested recently? I just got out of, and I was excited to get into this at all, uh, the Cadillac Lyric, which is Cadillac's first all-electric vehicle. It's mm-hmm. a crossover. And um, I am, I'm writing this up right now, actually. I'm working on this this weekend. I was very impressed with this vehicle. It is uh, very sophisticated. It's cool-looking, but not over the top. The interior is very modern, and it doesn't scream electric. There's not a lot of stuff inside that would suggest that it's an electric vehicle. It's, it's a very conventional experience. And I did drive it um, to Milwaukee uh, Christmas Day, and that, that was a good experience. And it did better on the, on the range than, it, it, than advertised, and it was great on the highway. And not a lot there to like, really. And well, the price is interesting, too. With all-wheel drive, which is expensive, uh, this came to $68,000, which hmm. doesn't seem like crazy money for a Cadillac. No, not at all. Well, will this be uh, charging at the Tesla stations, or what do you know? It will be eventually. General Motors is one of the companies partnering with Tesla, so General Motors product owners, including Cadillac, will be able to charge at Tesla stations when they get that situation worked out. Since they have announced that, we have no details on how this is going to roll out. Now, what's the size comparison of this? Of, of the, the Lyric? Yeah. Uh, mid-size crossover, so about the size of something like um, uh, Ford um, Expedition. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Explorer. Okay. Uh, if people want to follow you, they can go to, uh, what, car underscore guy Tom on Twitter? Yep, that's me, car guy Tom on Twitter. And check out consumerguide.com. And uh, somebody wants to know, uh, on uh, consumerguide.com, is there any place where you could find the description of what the difference is between all-wheel and four-wheel drive? I have an article. It's a little old, but it's still accurate. You know what? I will post that on Twitter right now and on Facebook. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. And I, um, I know that. I look forward to getting an email from you every week with your blog and such. Uh, can people just sign up for that at the site? Yeah. If you send me an email at carstuff at consumerguide.com, I'll just put you on the mailing list. And I send out one email a week. That's all I do. I don't share the, uh, the email with anybody else. Awesome. All Any right. other blatant plugs we missed? This week's podcast is super interesting. I talked with someone from real estate investment firm CBRE about the economics of charging stations, where they're put, who pays for them, how they're rented out. It's a really interesting thing that no one has considered yet. And he talks about one of the issues, which is you have to find a place that actually has sufficient electrical service to put one in. So locating and placing electrical charging stations, very complicated. So it's not as simple as would your local mobile gas station want to put charging stations in? It is not that easy. Uh, it could be that easy if the service is there, but it's still the infrastructure is expensive. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yes. You know, the more you know stuff, 
I'm always impressed by the stuff that you know, because honestly, listeners, you should know, Tom does not know the questions that are going to be asked of him, because we're looking at a, a, a screen, right. and Tom just, you know, he just takes them left and right. You should be teaching a class on once you get your EV vehicle, everything you need to yeah. know about it. You, I, I actually, I thought that that was something that was necessary. I hadn't thought that I would do it, but I have thought that that was necessary. I'm amazed that the Tesla or any manufacturer selling EVs that they don't offer that kind of class. Yeah, yeah. there's money. Can I, can I give a quick shout out about sure. this? I, um, the vehicle I got, the Cadillac Lyric, did not come through conventional routes. It's because of the podcast and that Cadillac wanted to get me a car. And it was delivered through MotorWorks in Barrington. And and I got the best I got the best walk around of that vehicle I've hmm. ever gotten. They've got a special, a special stall set up where they charge the vehicle and walk customers around it. And they answered all my questions. I could have been there an hour. It was it was a fantastic. That's the way this should be working. And and the presentation was great. Should we have someone from MotorWorks uh, on the show sometime to talk about uh, electric vehicle uh, charging and maintenance? And what people don't know that they need to know? <laughs> I will name this guy by name, but Ivalin, one of the salesmen there, did a tremendous job and is super mm. up-to-date on everything electric. So uh, I can absolutely put you in contact with that awesome. guy. Awesome. Okay. Let's think about doing that. Well, your your work here is done, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk to you in February. I'm looking forward to oh, it. Oh, the auto show starts in February, of course, so once we get through this cold spell, brace yourself for the week of the auto show. It will be colder oh, absolutely. and snowier yeah, than you, we've experienced. You think the, the weather is getting warmer? Nah. Yeah. Wait till Valentine's Day auto show. It will be the coldest. And Tom, did I, just, did I just read that New York has announced that they're going to take the auto show back to January starting next year? Not New York, Detroit. Oh, Detroit. Oh, Detroit. Yeah, okay. Detroit's been hopscotching around the calendar, and they're taking it back. So after skipping a year, then moving to the summer, and, and, and all these things, they're bringing it back to January. So that will be like it was in the old days, because it would go Detroit and then Chicago, right? That is, yeah. It's going to be CES, uh, Detroit, Chicago, and then New York a month or two later. Yep. Uh-huh. And the, who were the movers and shakers behind the Detroit decision? Did the big three play into that? They did, but not directly. One of the things that's happening is that the big three is increasingly not doing reveals at shows. So the manufacturers are are deciding that they don't need to go to an auto show to reveal a product, especially in the Internet age. So this is diminishing to some extent the impact of the auto show, especially on the media. Now, if you're a consumer, go to the show. Um, But one of the things that's disappointing, too, is that Stellantis has decided not to attend the Chicago Auto Show. Yeah. This is after they passed on the L.A. Show and CES and SEMA. So it's it's a little sad to see a major manufacturer skip a year, but also Stellantis doesn't have a lot of new product on the ground right now. Kind of an awkward period for them. Hmm. Well, again, thank you for your time, as always, Tom. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. And check out ConsumerGuide.com. Stay with us at WGN. King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. And you may be wondering why we're playing the Shangri-Las, the leader of the pack. Uh, well, sad news that uh, Mary Weiss, the lead singer yep. of the Shangri-Las, passed away. 75 years old. Uh, she 
and uh, the rest of the group. Wasn't the group made up of uh, uh, twins, a set of twins, and then it was uh, two twins uh, that uh, I believe were uh, basically uh, brunette, and she was blonde, and mm-hmm. she was the lead singer, and. Uh, she was kind of a vocal crush for a lot of people of uh, an earlier generation uh, when they did things like, uh, uh, remember, Walking in the Sand yeah. and... Um, uh, something Kiss. Um, oh. Um, in His Kiss? No, not In His Kiss. Uh, See, I, I, in my head, I'm getting some of her music confused with the Ronettes. Easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. Your your great girl groups from the sixties, yeah. and uh, gosh, I think I read where Mary Weiss had uh, a comeback of sorts in two thousand seven. That the group broke up in the late sixties mm-hmm. because it had been all about the music, and they were wildly successful. Leader of the pack was huge, right. and they were sought after to perform all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things kind of fell apart for them about 68, and it became, as she said in an interview, all about litigation. And she was not allowed to perform for a period of oh, I time. I didn't know that. And so she just kind of got out of the music business, and then in 2007, she was tapped to do another album, a solo album, and she did that. And I don't remember anything ever coming of that. Hmm. Um, I don't know that I saw her in any of the talk shows or... No, I don't recall seeing her. I don't yeah. know that she wrote any autobiographies or anything. Because in 07, let's see, uh, 17 years ago, well, she was she passed away at 75 years old. She was really young when all of this happened for her in the 60s. Yeah, I'm uh, skimming through a quick article here. Uh so the uh, album that she came out with in 2007 was called Dangerous Game. Uh, Ronnie Spector's uh, Facebook page, of course, Ronnie Spector died, uh, I guess it was just two years ago. Mm-hmm. But she has a very active Facebook page. And they said that Ronnie and Mary were actually very good friends through the 60s. And you would kind of think that they would, you know, they would have been competitive because they were kind of traveling in the same lane yeah but maybe because of the nature of the music business and the music business attitude toward women fee persons yeah that they bonded yeah and the fact that it was them against all of the guys that against all them. the a and r people yeah that liked them but didn't want to see them succeed yeah. and they did anyway so she passed away at the age of 75. Uh, oh, the kiss. The song was Give Him a Great Big Kiss. Oh, yeah. 1964. Walk right up to him. Give him a great big kiss. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That did it. Okay. Um, a couple. Oh, by the way, uh, Leader of the Pack was chosen by Rolling Stone uh, last year as one of the 500 greatest songs of all time. And the best thing about lists. Any list, sure, it's put out just so people can argue about it. Because you could spend days arguing about whether or not that should be number 316 or should it be number 16. And see, I don't know that I would say it's one of the 500 greatest. I would say it was probably one of the 500 iconic songs. Yeah, yeah. Because it did define a moment in time. 
I was trying to scroll past real quick to find out what number one was on their list because I don't recall what the number one song was. Oh, don't tell me it was Whitney Houston. No, please no. <laughs> Which makes me think of Jeff Tweedy did an interview with um, Stephen Colbert this week. He's got a new book about music that he's loved and hated mm-hmm. and made him who he is today. Oh, his comments about Dolly Parton. Oh, yes. He yeah. said, you know, she she did that song and Jolene. She wrote them both on the same day, and she should have stopped at Jolene. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he's a Dolly Parton fan. Yeah. He said he just he does not like that song. He doesn't like the way she holds that one note forever. <laughs> More coming up. Stay with us at WGN. What color are his eyes? I don't know. He's always wearing shades. Is he tall? Well, I gotta look up. Yeah? Well, I hear he's bad. Uh, he's good bad, but he's not evil. Tell me more. Steve King and Johnny Butler at WGN Radio. But he's not evil. <laughs> Is he tall? I have to look up at him. That, that whole girl group era was a fun time in pop music. It was. I, I don't think I appreciated it all that much at that time because, you know, I was into the the boy bands. Mm. And by boys, I mean... The Archies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. A listener said, uh, what's the book you're talking about, Jeff Tweedy? He was on Stephen Colbert the other night talking about his third book. It's entitled World Within a Song, Music That Changed My Life and Life That Changed My Music. And, Interesting. Yeah, he he writes all about like fifty songs that changed his life in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And Colbert specifically called him out on his dislike for Dolly Parton's "I Will Always Love You." And and um, I did not know she wrote that the same day she wrote Jolene. You talk about being a, an know. amazing, prolific yeah. writer. She's just crazy good. Did. did just thinking of uh, books that have been written by music people, mm-hmm. a couple that I would absolutely recommend, and I've mentioned this before, Chuck Berry's book, The Autobiography. Not just because it's Chuck Berry, but because it's Chuck Berry, anyone who knows Chuck's lyrics, <clears throat> pardon me, my throat is bothering me a little bit right now. Uh, anybody who knows Chuck Berry's lyrics can read this book and know there was no ghostwriter. Chuck yeah. Berry wrote this book. Yeah. Another one, uh, actually two others that I've read within the past couple of years. One was by Bill Medley mm-hmm. of the Righteous Brothers. Mm-hmm. A wonderful book. Uh, he wrote it in conjunction with somebody else, but the stories are his and they're wonderfully told. That's not the one he wrote with his daughter, is it? Might have been. Yeah. yeah. I don't recall who his co-author was. And the other one was Tom Jones. Mm-hmm. Just a one again, a wonderful book uh, done with a co-author. But again, it's Tom's experiences. And well, I'm looking forward to you reviewing the book you got for Christmas, the music book by Willie Nelson. Yeah, I'm. Re- it, it's a book. It's a wonder. It's like a coffee table book. The stories. And it's all about the stories behind his songs, yes. how he came to write the songs. I can't wait to get into that. Oh, what I love about it is I, I'm a weirdo. When I get a book, I like to check out the font. Mm-hmm. If I don't like the font, if I don't like the quality of paper, I'll actually uh, turn the book away. And, you know, I'll read it on my phone. If I re- It's a book I really want to read. But it bothers me if the paper is cheap or if it just well, that's doesn't one of many read things well. We bonded with uh, Wayne Jancic about. Yeah. We all like to, 
all, all of the um, the olfactory experiences of a good book, the smell of the paper, including the, font, the smell, yeah, just all of it. Because, and and he said that he worked with one publisher that said that they actually went out of their way to make books smell a certain way so yeah. that they would be appealing. Yeah. And I know what, with our book, we were very particular about we're not going to do it if we can't have good quality paper. And our our paper quality is called Orion, of all things. Yeah. It was Orion, and boy, it makes pictures pop, and the font pops. And that was really important to me, that if you just pick it up, and you're just a casual reader, and you go, oh... Now it's friendly, mm-hmm. so now you're sucked into it. And Willie's new book, boy, it sold me from the get-go, so I got it for you as a Christmas present. I haven't looked at it much other than flipping through it, and you actually see some of his um, scribbling on the back yeah, of napkins and, and just ideas and his scratching out and starting all over again. Uh, it's just a great idea, the stories behind my songs, Willie Nelson. By, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know what the heck book we wrote— uh, we wrote a book called A Little More Less, and it details uh, our 18-year friendship with Les Paul. And yes, you can still buy it. Uh, you can go to a littlemoreless.com, and you can order it right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there are a lot of behind-the-scenes pictures and stories and the interviews. And In fact... In fact, yesterday was the anniversary of the night that Les was driving from Mawa, New Jersey, to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, you're right. Because he had finally been in, inducted yeah. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he was very angry with them for years because they opened up the dang place and they didn't include him. So it took them some time to, to get around to saying, uh, you, you know, uh, maybe we should include yeah. an exhibit for Les Paul, especially while he's alive and he could come here and do a concert and so it was the anniversary i think it was in 88 or was it 98 maybe 98 and he called us that night because he was being driven from mawa he didn't want to fly he wanted to drive right. all the way he always enjoyed driving yeah yeah and so we, we talked for oh i think we talked for well over an hour as he mm-hmm. was um traveling down the road uh, I'm looking here. Unfinished business. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Listener says, "Could you please post your hot dog and sauerkraut recipe?" <laughs> Hours ago, it's we got, wonderful. We were having a little food conversation with Monica Ang, and uh, it's so super simple. Get yourself a bag or a can of sauerkraut. I always rinse it, not thoroughly rinse it, because you still want to maintain some of that sauerkraut juice. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, if I take a can and I'll just run a little bit of water in it shake it up and then drain some of that juice out because it's very very salty um put that in your skillet a a good size skillet and maybe a half a can of water pour over it take a couple of vienna hot dogs only use vienna hot dogs i'm telling you and you have to cut them up small like into coins coins exactly that's what i like to call them coins not too thick you put them in that sauerkraut put a lid on top of it turn it on to simmer let it boil 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 down that water that juice and the the hot dog coins will plump up and it is a it's going to be our dinner on sunday i've already decided It, it has to be served with cornbread cornbread is the perfect accompaniment along with onion and if you can have fried potatoes it's the perfect meal oh boy is it good and with your fried potatoes you cut do you realize how hungry you're making me right now (sighs) 
you slice your fried potatoes, you peel them, you slice them very, very thin. These are called poker chips. You get your oil really hot in the skillet. You slide those poker chips into that. That better be our meal Sunday night. (laughs) It really better. I'm about to slap myself. My tongue is like (laughs) flapping around here. (laughs) And so when you slide those poker chips, and and I say you have to do it gently because um, they're damp and it can be very dangerous because that grease flares up. It gets very angry. Um, You let them sit. So you get to the point where you can flip the potatoes as one whole unit because they're all kind of fried together and crispy, crunchy. And that's why they're called poker chips, because when you're done with them, you can pick up each individual one like a potato chip. Oh, it's so good. I'm so hungry. But all you need is one potato, just one. (sighs) So that's all you've got in the kitchen right now. And you got a little oil. Go in there and fry yourself a potato (laughs) right now. By the way, quick reminder, next week, uh, we don't start till 1230. Yes. So we got basically an hour and a half show next week. and uh, It's after midnight, so we're going to let it all hang out. Yeah. And it, it will be next week is going to be dealer's choice, which mm-hmm. means that all the bumps will mm-hmm. be uh, courtesy of Julian. Yes, yes. Who will get to pick and choose whatever he chooses to That's pick right. and choose. And uh, we will be here live. For an hour and a half, starting yep. at twelve. The, 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 the <gasps> lights are starting yeah. to flash. Oh, and and what the, what's that I, I hear in the? Yeah, the, hear it. It's getting closer. That's e- the zamboni. Even in cold weather, they were able to get the zamboni started. <laughs> it okay. sounds like it needs a, a little yeah. oil. It's, <laughs> it needs a little something, something. They got a problem with it. Is that a Tesla zamboni? They're <laughs> having trouble getting I think it, it started. Needs fried potatoes is what it needs. <laughs> Well, that means it is time for our last call. Yep. And if you would like to be our last caller, all you have to do is give us a call, 312-981-7200. That number again is 312-981-7200, and you could win some uh, some new stuff. Yes, for, yes. We have a new prize list. We have a, news pri- a, a, new, a new prize. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're getting a call us on that one. Yeah. It's not nude. <laughs> it is a new WGN Radio 100th Anniversary logo t-shirt. And um, we're going to give one of those away, along with the ever-popular collectible desktop weather station from American Weathermakers Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing, the 60-Minute Men. But there's one one requirement. You cannot have won anything in the last 60 days, the last two months here on the radio. That would disqualify you. But if you'd like to be our last caller, you don't have to have anything fabulous to, to say. Yeah, we don't. Why should yeah, you? <laughs> you know what? For four hours and 45 minutes, we've just been yammering. Yeah. You could do that for four or five minutes for prizes. Yeah. <laughs> So 312-981-7200 is our number. We will then take a last caller. That will be you. You'll set the tone for our trip home. Feel no pressure, though. Yeah. (laughs) So last call coming up. Oops, this is such a finely tuned machine. Wait a minute. Hold it. Wait a minute. Where's uh, Red? You over there, Red? Okay, thank you. It's that time again. I think Rudd was falling asleep. <laughs> we gotta say goodnight. Sure do. Yeah, we sure do. 
You know it's getting late. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow is another day, my friend. We got to get rid on this show. Mm-hmm. All right, people. Yep. <laughs> it's time to go home. Yep. Yep. Losing time. Losing time. Head on out. Head on out. So, let's yeah. go. You don't have to go home. Yeah, you really kind of do. But you can't stay here. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Red Peters in the closing song. You can look that up online. Or you can go to our uh, our blog, our Both Sides Now blog, and uh, you're, <laughs> you're yawning. <laughs> you started it. No, Red Peters started it. Oh, that's it. right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, but, so, <laughs> <laughs> Do I have 10 more minutes of me? I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're running out of words. The listener says... Okay, it's been a while since we did a full five-hour show, and, and we're running out of words. So, we used all of them up in the first three hours. So next week, we can only have an hour and a half show. That's all the words we've got for next week. A listener says that Zamboni sounds a lot like my snowblower. He did sound a little sick this week. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it's because of the cold weather. All right, we got a whole bunch of people here. Julian, what are we going to do? Who who gave you the most money, Julian? <laughs> oh, boy, the pressure's on, isn't it? Yes, it's mm. your turn. Okay. Okay. Oh, gosh. You're just randomly going to choose, aren't you? All right. Well, I'm going to go with... We're going to go with Marianne. Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh, that sounds like a good... Hi, Marianne. Marianne. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Crestwood. All right, Crestwood. How are you doing this morning, Marianne? Well, I fell asleep watching the Packer game, and then when I woke up at about 12.49, I come back to bed, and I thought, I'm not going to fall asleep. So I played a game on the phone and listened to you guys talking to the car guy about the lyric. Is it, was it the lyric? I'd like, I could like, sounded like a neat car, the Cadillac. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I never used to be able to listen to you guys when you were on to the lake when I was working. Ah. I'm now retired. And, yeah. um, what I, did you do? I worked in an office for about 29 and a half years yeah. downtown. So it was a 9 to 5 kind of thing, right? Yeah, commuted yeah. every day from Crosswood. Yep. Oh, yeah, that was a fur piece to travel, too. Yeah. Oh, yes, we got through all the um, construction on the Dan Ryan, yes. shooting, mm-hmm. you name it. <laughs> yes, remember the flooding downtown? Do you remember that oh, when the whole downtown yes. closed? I was doing traffic then. Oh, my oh. gosh. And we were in the Tribune Tower and terrified. That was a major deal. That We thought the tower was going to collapse because the whole downstairs yeah. oh. was flooded. That was a oh, huge there were so storm. many things, storms that we had yeah. and went through the neighborhoods and when it, we especially when we had some of those snowstorms they'd let us go. We worked right yeah. at the corner. I worked at the corner of where Carmichael's used to be. We were on the opposite corner and we'd cater food from them and sometimes have our Christmas parties over there. Oh. Which corner was that? It, um Monroe and Aberdeen. Okay. Okay. All right. And yeah, and I uh, worked for a baby manufacturer. We had a couple of factories in the city, but eventually we moved one of them uh, down to North Carolina from Illinois. But we kept our office, and it was family-owned, and uh, was a wonderful place to work for. And it was wonderful being down there because we yeah. used to be at Thirty First and Kedzie, which are right down from. Um, 
a prison, you know, down in California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Panera Fran was down the street. The candy company was oh, down on yeah. 31st. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Washburn Trade School. Yeah, it was just... But I don't miss going to work and driving like that. I know you don't. <laughs> and I'm so glad I was retired by the time COVID came. I had just retired yes. in 17. So so now that you're yeah. retired, are you amazed at how busy you are now that you're retired? And do you wonder how you were able to do all the things you did when you <laughs> oh, were working full time? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I'm really kind of lazy and stuff. But it's just, uh, it was a wonderful place to work with. We had wonderful people, but it's... You do wonder. I had three kids. They're all grown. And, uh, you know, you were just amazed at what you did and how much time it took you to get to work and come home. And I sometimes stayed late. And when we had storms and things were going on, uh, there were times when things, water would start leaking somewhere and somebody would say, I got to leave. Can you go put some buckets? (laughs) You know, we we lived in an old building there and it was a street where they had just built townhouses. Do you remember the cab? Yellow Cab used to be on oh, sure. Carmen Road. Oh, yeah, sure mm-hmm. do. It was across the street from us, yes. We were in a building there that was a a dye company that did things during the war and made things. So it was kind of an interesting building. They redid it. it they kept a lot of the old things, and it was really a, a neat place to work in. It was, mm-hmm. We moved from 31st and um, we were at 31st and St. Louis. We moved downtown and it was then. Kind of a, yeah, it was kind of a could get a little bit rough over there sometimes so yeah. when we moved downtown it was wonderful it, you know we really liked the west i'm going to change i'm going to change the subject on you for a moment you said sure. you were watching the green bay game were you happy that they lost well i didn't even see that part i thought they were going to win oh everybody I, thought they were going to win my kids are green bay my kids are cheddarheads we lived in Wisconsin ah. when i was married <laughs> they're all cheddarheads yeah, I, one stayed to be a bear fan for a while and they went to all be cheddarheads they were I, I have to say, and this is this is probably heresy, but I'm kind of impressed with the uh, the new quarterback for Green Bay. Yeah, the he young, seems like oh, a really yeah, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. so young too. I forget his name. But, but we were we were following it real closely until the third, and it looked like it, it was a done deal. You know, if you had Green yeah, Bay in so your pool, you were a winner. Big surprise. Yeah, it was twenty four twenty one, and then yeah. when I just heard it, when I was listening to the news, I thought. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking forward to the game on Sunday night. Um, Casey and the Bills. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, that's going to be that's going to be a, a real determining game. Uh, yeah. It, it, I'm not even sure. Everybody. It was three to one with the announcers. Well, they were going with Casey. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't know. And the fact that those people shoveled out the stadium. It's unbelievable. Oh my gosh, that's going to play a big important part of the the overall you know mood of the game because and the Buffalo Bills are going to be serving a Taylor Swift inspired menu during the playoff game. <laughs> of course they oh, are. That should, should be most interesting <laughs> to see what they do. I'm kind of hoping that the Lions might win tomorrow only because they are from our division. Mm-hmm. And it would be nice since I think it's what I don't 35 40 years since they've won. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Um, but I, I don't. Now this is going to sound crazy when I say this, but I don't want Casey to lose because then they're going to blame it on Taylor Swift. It's the curse yeah. of Taylor Swift. Yeah. No. Don't do that. Come on, people. No. I wonder how many more I fans. Mean, I know a lot of people who are are love Mahomes, Pat Mahomes, and yeah. I think he is, and I think he's just attracted people who maybe are not real big football fans, but yeah. he is a nice guy. They're a good team. I like Andy Reid. 
but I just don't listen to you, girl. You know your your sports. <laughs> you're you're probably going to be doing half the game time. And you know what? You woke me up, so I'm doing good now. And you hang on for a second because you are our last caller, and you're going to get your very own WGN Radio 100th anniversary logo T-shirt and your desktop weather station from Awerk uh, Awerkins. <laughs> Maybe I don't have. Uh, See, we Ameri- ran out of all the good words. American weathermakers, heating, <laughs> cooling, and plumbing. The sixty-minute men. Gabe is over in the newsroom, real quick. Gabe, if you're there. I just uh, want to know. Gabe is working on okay, something right now. Okay, because I'm curious to see. I'll have to ask him after he's done with his newscast. Gabe is coming up to the microphone. Uh, so, Gabe, the question is, put on your uh, your sportscaster hat for a second, Gabe. Are you going KC or are you going the Bills? Who are you rooting for on in, Sunday night? You know, wow, that is, a, that is a really tough one because it's Pat Mahomes playing a first true road game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And this is a rivalry that has been brewing you know, for over the last few years. Yeah. I'd like to give the slight edge to Buffalo because of the the home field advantage, but, Mm -hmm. you know, Pat Mahomes has just been so good in the postseason these last few years. But I will say that whichever team wins this game will not beat Baltimore in the AFC Championship. Really? I I truly believe that. Are you going to go out and live? Okay. I I have Baltimore against San Francisco in the Super Bowl. I don't have a winner pick just yet, but that's my Super Bowl pick. Interesting. Okay, we're going to talk more about this next week because it's just going to be us. You know, we got a little bitty show next week. Yeah, we're we're going to start at uh, 1230 next week. So it's uh, just you, Julian, and, and us. And, uh, and, uh, and Brett. Brett. Brett's going to be here. Yeah, he's going to do yeah. a double shift next week and hang out with us uh, next week after the uh, hockey game, the late hockey game. Well, it's been fun. Uh, thank you to Gabe in the newsroom and Ron Brown in the newsroom and Brett and Bob Fakuda And Julian. On the other side of the glass. And uh, check out our uh, Both Sides Now blog and you will find all kinds of fun stuff. And we hope you will join us again next week. We'll be here at 1230.